Wait, come here, Craig. Please read this copy for me. Play, please, come here. Craig, come here. Please read this for me. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this ad is brought to you by Burt Kreischer from Trip Flip in Texas. Where are we right now? Belleville, Texas. Okay, fantastic. And this copy is for Satva Mavsis, brought to you by Tom Segura. Okay, right. Just read that, that line right there. Sat- Satva? Satva is the on, only online luxury mattress brand that designs, manufactures, installs across America. Their inner spring Eurotop model is the highest rated mattress on Google, a Forbes Top 100 company to watch in 2000, 2015. Since they have no physical retail stores, they are able to offer our premium mattress at a fraction of the price without any of the industry markup. Perfect. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, let's introduce Lumen Leaf. Lumen, Lumen Leaf is a perfect premium memory foam mattress made with the highest quality plant-based foam sourced in the U- U.S. There's a high standard of eco-responsibility. It has a propriety cooling gel that is designed to expel heat and a cover of plush organic cotton combined with the plant-based foam. The Lumen Leaf is a healthier memory foam mattress that keeps you cool all night. You're getting a $4,000 Tempur-Pedic for half the price. Wait, what about this one right but here? But I doubt it. Wait, don't say I doubt it. Come on. I'm sure it is. Wait, what about this? Sapa's launching a brand new Lumen Leaf right now at South by Southwest. At South by Southwest. They're partnered up with the A&E and their hit show Bates Motel. And he's Bates Motel is actually open for business. You can stop by, enter your name for a chance to stay the night at the Bates Motel during South by Southwest and for a chance to win Loom Leaf Mattress. That's the important part there at South by Southwest. And you can win it. Wait, we are not done. Hold on. We have one more read. Come on. Hold on. One more read. One more read. Here, like, right here. Like Satva, Loom Leaf offers delivery with courtesy installation and takeaway. They install your mattress in your room, take away the trash, even take away your old bed if you want. And you, you can try their 75-day trial hassle-free. You can follow Loom and Leaf at Loom and Leaf on Twitter and Facebook to find out more how to win a memory foam mattress at South by Southwest. I'm done. <laughs> You're done. I'm going to play that twice. <laughs> it's hard to read, right? All right, guys. That is the ad brought to you by Tom Segura and Christina Pozinski, my best friends. All things comedy. Go to Lumen Leaf. They're at South by Southwest. You can win a mattress. Today's narrated by, what's your, what's your full name? Craig Bauer. Craig Bauer. <laughs> out here. Where are we in Texas? Belleville, Texas. In ring. Belleville, Texas, running cattle. Is that what I was doing today? We're playing cowboy. Who's cutting off balls? Me. <laughs> Whose who, who's balls? Were you th- balls I was so. scared of balls. They were throwing them at me. Today's episode, my buddy, stand-up comedian, hilarious dude, just recently a father, I guess, well, 18 months ago, uh, and the video will be up online at YouTube at A Kreischer, K-R-E-I-S-C-H-E-R, Go to burperbert.com. I'm sorry for this long intro. I trust Tom Segura with my life, and that is the only reason I read reads. Nick Thune. Nick Thune. Thick Noon. Nick Thune.
This is the Cast. Record me and start talking. Um, yeah, it's a pretty great setup. It's uh, I'm horrible yeah. with it. So you're gonna go through all this footage and put it together? Fuck no! I have my cousin. My cousin does all this. <laughs> my cousin will go through it. I need a cousin. Uh, he's great. Except he's got red hair. That's the only part that's bad about him. The uh, well, no. Um, here's the deal with I think with all fucking television shows. Unless you have, uh, everyone wants you to have a hit. Yeah. Everyone wants you to have a hit and then to piggyback on it. Are you taking a dip? Snooze. Oh, seriously? No, I haven't. Dude, uh, snooze for me is like heroin. I think for people because if if I took one dip, I'd be back one hundred percent. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm going to Texas. I'm riding. I'm r- running cattle through Texas uh, next week. So, oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but so, wait, no, I'm doing South by Southwest. Never mind. Are you really to- totally different? Are you really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I know uh, Bill and Al are doing something at South by Southwest. Yeah, I'm doing their podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, live and, at it. And then I know uh, Rogan's doing something at like a at like a Whole Foods. Everyone's doing something out Rogan's there. Rogan's doing something at a Whole Foods. Yeah, he's doing because he has that he has that company on it. He has a company called Onnit.com. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not called Onnit.com. It's called Onnit. But, uh, and he, and they do like, uh, supplements and stuff like that. Oh. So he's doing, he's doing a speech talking about supplements and nutrition. He's all about life optimization. I'm a big, yeah, because they do like the brain pills and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. All those, those, uh, this is when I really got into lucid dreaming was on those. Oh, yeah. Does, yeah. He's all into lucid dreaming. And yeah. have you ever done his, <clears throat> what is that, that tank that you go in and it, no, but the, I mean, the first time I met him, I literally was like, hey, man, I got to see the tank. Like, I was mm-hmm. at his front door, going to do his podcast, didn't know him at all. And I was like, I need to see the tank. I need to see the dog. I need to see the pool table. And then I'm ready to do the podcast. I was like, I, I'm going to have to geek out. The tank's fucking huge. It's like it's like the size of this room. Is it underground? Uh, it's under, yeah, technically it's underground, mm-hmm. but only because I think it's like on the, the bottom, bottom level of his house. Okay. But yeah, it's it's big. And he's like, get in there, man. Do it. He's an interesting guy like that. He's like, do it. Eat a ton of edibles, get fucking weird as fuck, and get in there. <laughs> oh. I'm fucking. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I can't that do that. I don't have that brain. I don't like to eat edibles anymore. Really? Yeah. When did you stop? They just make me feel like I'm dying all the time. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> like. It's just a constant that. panic attack. It's it, it. I had. I've only really. I've obviously I've I've done drugs, so I always am weird about that because I do have children and they're going to grow up and one day they'll listen to this and. You'll be a fucking movie star, and they'll be like, "Shut up!" My dad interviewed Nick Thune, and I'll go, and they'll be like, "I want to, I love Nick Thune. He was at our house." And then and they want to hear it, and then you talk about doing. And then I'm like, it. "Well," and my kids will be at the age. I'll be, this will be in five years, <laughs> and George is going to be 15, and she'll be like, "Oh wait, Dad did edibles? Oh, shut up! I can do edibles." And I, that's like that's fucking... not on any CD, or you've never done anything else where you've mentioned. Oh, I've talked, you've, I've, you're I've pretty about, good about yeah. talking about your drugs. I've talked about thinking acid and going to Disneyland, but I feel like with your kids. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, um, I, uh, I, edibles for me. Like the one time I took them, I took them with. I ended up taking them with my dad because uh, my dad, but Joey Diaz gave some to my dad on accident, mm-hmm. and, and then I took some, and I, it was fun. We had a really great time. I've talked about this a bunch, but you gave them to your dad on accident. Yeah, well, I think he might have given them on purpose, but my dad took them on accident, and so, um, and so we had a really good time. We did, we did. My dad and I had a great conversation. But the next morning, I woke up with, and I can only describe it as searing anxiety, like searing panic. Do you think you were still? I was very much still, mm-hmm. and I, and it was just like. An actualization of all things that scared me. Yeah. Um, and I and I was like, whoa. 
Edibles will do that. I mean, in kind of the way that mushrooms, I've never had a bad mushroom trip, but I've been with someone, someone you probably, you know, another comedian, I don't need to name drop this younger comedian, but he, <laughs> no, he, he full on flipped out. And me, we, we, no, we actually talked about it on his TV show, Pete Holmes. Oh so. my Jesus Christ. I cannot imagine doing mushrooms with Pete Holmes. You know, I've listened to, I've been listening to Pete. Pete's one of those fascinating people I find mm -hmm. in that he's full of positive energy. He's very deep. I'm not that deep. I like his podcast because yeah. he can ask very He's insightful. into like the lucid dreaming stuff. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I got to talk to him about that. I'm into Lucinda Wilson. Wait, no, Williams? Williams. <laughs> no, that was, God, if I would have nailed that, that would have. <laughs> can we, can we edit this? Can your cousin yeah. go back? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm into Lucinda Williams. Take it from the top. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a, I was on a, I did a TV show with uh, Brett uh, Ernst and someone cracked a champagne bottle over a goat's head. It was fucking, this guy who had PTSD and he was kind of falling was apart. Was it a stand-up show? No, it was a long time ago. It was like a reality show he did. And uh, he like break. I made it might have been a champagne flute, but he broke it over a goat's head, and it fucking silenced the room. Like everyone was like, "What the fuck?" The guy had just gotten back from Afghanistan. He was going through some shit. He thought it would be funny. He was showing off, yeah. And it, and, and no one found no one found it funny. Mm -hmm. I don't find any harm to animals humorous in the in the slightest. And uh, it was quiet. And Brett Ernst goes, "He had it coming to him." <laughs> it was so. It was so funny, but then, but it's then the cameraman goes, "Oh man, I wish I had shot that." But he goes, "You didn't do it. Do it again." I go, "Brett, we're never gonna, we're, we're, Ernst, we're never gonna use this." And he was like, but "Just, get, just have it." I go, "No, we're never gonna use like this. Will never get used in the show." And he's like, "Just have it." And I go, "No, no one's gonna have some fucking goat and getting brained by glass." Yeah. And uh, but and then Brett, Brett did it like Brett did it five, five more times. Still did another take, and it will never be as good as the first take. I know those moments. Yeah. And it's always frustrating when you're shooting something and something great happens and. People are supposed to be cap, you know, and it's just like, oh yeah, I didn't get it. Can we? And it's like, no, you can't recreate yeah. the goat um, champagne flute do scenario. You, do with, do with you feel that way about like stand up? Because I believe that way about stand up. I believe there's something, and I don't know where I got this term. I think I got it maybe from like a trailer. But there's the angel's breath, which is the stuff that is the angel's share is what it's called. But mm -hmm. I I call it the angel's breath because I'm inaccurate. But what I believe is it's those moments on stage that you will never recapture and you can't recreate yeah. and you can't and, – and it's part of the reason I don't – I believe it happens in life where there's just these great fucking moments happen and they disappear and, and I don't – I like that I'm a person that can – make those happen in my life mm -hmm. but like some people try to recreate it's like when you watch like bad stand-ups recreate their re i tried that recently with a bit what well i just it was i did like this two-week tour in the first night and if i'm gonna be at a show you're gonna see a lot of people in the audience that kind of look like me <laughs> there's a lot of dudes with beards yeah and uh chicks with beards and <laughs> and Guaranteed in almost every show, there's a guy in the front row who is 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 aspiring to kind of dress and look a little bit like me, or maybe I'm trying to look like him. I don't know. Yeah. But in the first show, I looked down at him, and I was just having a conversation with somebody earlier about FaceTime, and I looked down, and I was like, sir, it's nice to have somebody in the front row that looks just like me, because I feel like now the show is like one big FaceTime conversation, and anytime I want to look at myself, I can just look down. <laughs> <laughs> because that's all I like doing anyway. I'm just looking at myself, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But it because it was in the moment and because everybody's like, oh, yeah, I watch myself on FaceTime. Yeah. It crushed. And then the rest of the tour, I was chasing that dragon. And it maybe hit two other times out of 14 shows. Yeah. But it's never going to be a consistent, you know, that's a moment. And there always will be a guy in the front row that 
could be my FaceTime guy. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's tough. Unless it's a written joke and the timing's just that's how it goes. I don't have those. I don't have any like I may have like some written jokes. I have more stories. Yeah. Like But you like, know your story's gonna build to an arc at this point yeah. and then it's gonna end with this. I don't have I wish I always had like shorter uh, I wish I could like fucking get me out of the hole jokes, like where I could just hammer mm. nine in a row and be like, "All right, we're good." Yeah, I don't. Well, I'm not doing that anymore. That Would, that was like my style for a long time was these one liners, and and then I had a kid, and just a lot of things changed. Everything <clears throat> fucking changed. Yeah, and I didn't care as much about being this character on stage that was presenting these ideas. Or what you know, I became more interested in telling stories, and. Some about my life and being real. And then what I've found is because I spent so much time writing those jokes that those jokes kind of naturally pop into the story as time goes on, as you go live. And, you know, every time you tell a story, you find a new little moment that yeah. if you set it up right, will work every time. What uh, what was uh, was the kid planned? Yeah. yeah. I mean, not planned then. It was discussed like we're OK to have a kid. And then that's my my wife yeah. and I were. My wife and I were. I, I, I've been weird about this. I've been weird about this because I got a weird reaction one time. But Georgia was not planned. Mm-hmm. However, I had already bought the engagement ring to get my get married to my wife, and I knew my wife was ready to have kids. That's why we kind of gotten <clears throat> set in motion, but was not planned. And I, mm-hmm. and I always like I always wonder. I think in in our line of work, we don't. I don't think we're the kind of we're not those. Ronnie, Ron Bennington calls them ham and eggers. Those guys who go, all right, I get a job. I get job security, life insurance. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy a ring. I'm going to save up. And I'm going to ask the girl not to do that accent that that's that guy. Well, or like Dan Mintz, if you know Dan. <clears throat> he, uh, yeah. He's a stand-up. Yeah. But like a guy like him thinks that it through and actually did the – bought this computer program where it calculated how much money he needs to support a kid and like got to that place and then said, okay, let's have a chat. You know, like – Boom, boom, I'm boom. not that guy. No. I think money shows up. I believe yeah. it. I go, you know what? If I keep doing what I love doing, money shows up. And if it doesn't, then I still am doing what I love doing. Like, I've been very broke. I remember being very broke in the back of a car with you one time. I remember, I don't know if... Where, me, what city were we in? Me, you, and Ben Glebe were doing a podcast. Oh, yes. And we were driving down to Irvine. Was that yeah. what it was? Yeah. And I was so obsessed. I was so obsessed with, like, I, how talented you were. And I was like, and I was well, remember sitting next to you, going, "Dude, I mean, like, I remember I I, money. <laughs> this happened like twice. This happened like twice because I was so obsessed with how talented you were that I was like, I was like, I remember being bummed that no one, that I didn't feel like no one was seeing it. Um, tons of people were seeing it. I didn't know that, mm-hmm. but I was obsessed with it. And I saw you again like two weeks later, and I introduced you to my touring agent. And I was like, Matt Frost, we dropped you off at your hotel yeah. in New York. And I said, I said, Matt." You gotta fucking sign. This guy's the funniest guy I've ever seen. He's fucking and and I was like, and you're making videos. I go, and these videos are fucking great. Like, yeah, back then, yeah, that was the YouTube my start. Yeah, those never really got viral or anything though. What are you talking about? Like, I think at the time they got like one of them's built up, you know, millions now. But like at the time, it was just people weren't putting content that was written on YouTube at that point. It was all home video. You're fucking vi- bullshit. You had oh the one you, I put on Funny or Die. That one you had so many videos. You had so yeah. many videos that were so fucking funny. What was the one where you walked in to your roommate and you were jerking off? See, that was that was like the best moment of accidental. Like it just hit because I'd made I had that was my first joke that I could say I ever wrote. Like I actually yeah. wrote, 
I wrote this joke, which I'll tell is stupid, but I walked in on my roommate while I was masturbating. Yeah. It was the original part of the joke, but I wrote it in a bathroom at Hallenbeck Sandwich's open mic. Do you remember that open mic? No. It was in North Hollywood off like Magnolia. Yeah. And you had to pay four bucks and they actually gave you a thing and you could buy, a, you get a free sandwich with the four bucks, but that gives you a spot on the show. And the person before me, I think Paul Dank was on stage, Paul Danky. And I was sitting in the bathroom and I was just kept saying over my head, like, I was peeing and I kept saying, my roommate walked in on me while I was masturbating. My roommate. And then I just had this moment where I said, no, I walked in on my roommate while I was masturbating. And then he got off stage and they go, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Thune. And I literally went on stage and told it 45 seconds after coming to it. Yeah. And it crushed. And nothing else that I'd ever written could follow that one joke. Oh, like, wow. And then it like changed my whole perspective on writing in, in, one, in that one moment, which was kind of great. But after I wrote that joke, my friend was like, let's make a video. And I was like, okay. It's like, let's just make something super short. It was, I want to say it was like under 30 seconds. It was 18 seconds. And then he had a meeting at Funny or Die, which wasn't even a website yet. It was like Will Ferrell and these guys starting a site. And he went in and he was like, they were like, you know, because he's a director. And then he ended up directing Zombieland um, after that. Are you sure? Yeah, but not, you know, this was way before Zombieland. And he said, um, I do have one because they were like, do you have any videos? They're like, well, I have this one I just shot with Nick Thune and he showed it to him. And they're like, fucking perfect. Give it to us. And he never even told me, hey, I gave this video to Funny or Die. Yeah. And then Funny or Die has this big start. I didn't even know of the site. And all of a sudden, everyone's, have you seen Funny or Die? And I fucking go to the front page and my video is on the front page next to the landlord video. Just right next to it. Really? And it just everything exploded that day. It that was. was fun. I remember seeing that and going that that was the uh, and I say this wholeheartedly. That was the inspiration for me and my buddy Croy uh, to shoot. We did a uh, sh- we did a video um, about about two guys. Uh, fuck, I'm gonna. I don't know. I even forget the landlord what. video. No. no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, your video was the information oh. for me and my buddy Croy shooting a video um, where uh, I was outside a bathroom and I was reading pregnancy. T- I was reading a pregnancy test, how to use it. Hold it under the stream for three seconds. And then my buddy, or no, Croy was, Croy was. And then I come out and I go, I'm not pregnant. And he goes, ah. And then the, you hear the voice go, you can always find a reason not, you can always find a reason to drink. Like, and so, and then we both break Budweiser. And I thought, I thought, I was like, I was like, wow, that's great because I think I had something. Make I it think, just super quick like that. Yeah, man. And Leanne, was, I'd already I'd been through. It was Leanne's pregnancy test that she had done with Georgia. So, mm-hmm. like, I was, like, fucking there. I was, I, we used the the extra two that come with it. Oh, yeah. So, I was, because when she took her pregnancy test, I was like, I remember thinking, I'm drinking either way. Mm-hmm. Like, if she's pregnant, I'm celebrating. And if she's not as pregnant, I'm going to fucking go, oh, that was a close call. Let's get and I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't really give a fuck. I'm drinking either way. And I remember thinking, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it could be either way. And I wanted to shoot it with Leanne. And then I thought, oh, it was funnier if we shoot it with a guy. And it, You know, it's, I came back from uh, just talking about pregnancy tests from West Valley, Utah. You know, like the uh, it's a wise guys, right? I, I have not. I've, I'm not performed there, but I've been to Utah a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, I came back and she just had six pregnancy tests laid out in the counter. Because she just w- wouldn't believe it. They're all <laughs> <laughs> just laid out. And I walked in and just saw it on the counter. And she came around the stairs and looked at me and was like, yeah. They should sell a mega pack <laughs> just, with a line just to make sure. <laughs> just try out six. Who yeah. does one? <laughs> Who buys one? My, yeah. You want to you give out souvenirs at your batch, you know, whatever. Your uh, bridal party. <laughs> That's so funny. The... Uh... 
Yeah, that that you, is this a chick you've been dating for a while? Yeah, yeah. You've been we, with her. I dated her when I was eighteen to twenty one, and then she broke up with me because I had zero direction and wasn't in college like everyone else that we knew, and and then moved to like was already doing stand up, moved to L A, and then came back and did my first college show at University of Washington, and like found got a hold of her, invited her, and she you know from then on we just kind of started. This isn't the chick that dated that dude that we ran into that was awful yes. as fuck. Do you remember that? I was fucking, I was like, I was like, we'll fight him if you want. <laughs> well, this was, a, so this was, I, this was called the Bamboozle Festival. It was in, New Jer- it was in Orange, New Jersey. And we were playing on an outdoor stage in a parking lot. And it was like emo slash like bands that want to be Blink-182. Blink-182 is too big at the time to do this festival. Yeah. But- and we were, well, we were just like standing there talking, and all of a sudden you just see me like look over your shoulder and just fucking ball up. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> and you're like, what? And you're like, oh fuck, oh god. And this guy comes up and he's like, what's up, Nick? He was like, I was guy, the creepiest fucking guy. Yeah, and he was, he's in like this band that was radio rock, like totally. Famous. I still know, the, I still know the name of the band. Yeah, I still, I mean, I've, I've said that name of that band mm-hmm. a couple times in my head. I'm yeah. not going to tell you the band because fuck that guy. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you the band. I don't even know if they're still a band. I'm sure they're still a band. I don't think they are, but I'm sure he still has bangs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) His his outfit was so... If Def Leppard was still playing now, but like progressed into more of an emo kind of... And so, and you're like, oh, this is awkward. And then he like left and and like, I don't think he even said hi to me and then walked away. I was like, what was that about? And then I think Mitch Fattel walked up and he's like, hey guys... (laughs) And killed, and we just—I remember that out of that whole show. These are the, these are the things I remember. Mitch Fattel, I remember that moment. I remember introducing to Frosty. I remember mm-hmm. uh, there was a guy named Josh that I used to love in New York who introduced me to Rick Shapiro. He was a oh, he, was Shapiro at that thing too? No, but this guy Josh was. I think Josh mm-hmm. was the host for the whole festival. Oh, and and I remember Berbiglia was on that festival. Do you remember that? No, I don't think I knew who Berbiglia was then. Oh, okay, I had um, opened for him. That was kind of my first big, like I got to open for him on on college tour. Oh my god, that one has been amazing. Yeah, and that's what I got. Like I did my half hour special after doing twenty eight dates with him, and it would never have been anywhere near what it was if I didn't, you know, twenty eight dates. It was a great half hour special. Him. Oh, thank you. Uh, may, maybe my favorite part was the fact that I felt, and this is one of the things I I do love about you is I felt like you took control because all half hour specials were like ladies and gentlemen put your hands together for Tom Segura but yours was your agent calls dude I got you got the gig bring your axe (laughs) (laughs) I loved it I just thought it was so great and then there was that that was actually like yeah I put it there was a tent it was a camping setup there was an axe and a log like it was yeah not a lot of people were people just had their name in the background yeah it was was really great and like some guys would have like uh Gary Valentine had a I don't know why I'm, I remember Gary Valentine's but he had a, a like a baseball field in the back. Oh, he did. He, yeah, because he played shortstop. He was actually a really great softball or God, baseball I love player. Baseball. Do you? Yeah. Really? Did you play? I did. Yeah. Like uh, like Brody play or just? No, no, no. I played going into high school and then drugs and alcohol kind of. Oh, I played throughout high school. Recruited to go play at the Citadel, Duke, and mm. not really Florida State, but I did say i'm going to florida state and they said you can walk on if you'd like and i was like fuck yeah they're like come play legion ball up here in tallahassee this summer you're gonna be at summer school play legion ball and uh and then you know we'll, we'll watch you but you can walk on i was like great i was gonna be a bullpen catcher i knew that i know that you now were a catcher i was a catcher yeah and coach martin's son Your was knees catcher. all kind of screwed up because of that 
no, no, not really. Not really. My feet are screwed up. Yeah. That's the part of me that hurts. I think I don't drink enough water. Um, but I loved your, uh, I loved your fucking, I loved your half hour special. You're one of those people that I kind of feel like I, I had no connection to. I never took on the road. I never really like, like we're not very similar guys. Mm-hmm. But I just, I really liked watching you do stand up. I've always liked stand up that's not like mine. And I liked watching you stand up. And you're always very nice. And I was like, there's something like either he's so nice he's fake, or there's something different. And then I heard your WTF, and I was like. Oh, he's the greatest guy in the fucking world. <laughs> oh, God. I that... love that WT. That's my favorite. Oh, thank you. You, Big J Okerson. I need to hear his. I've heard his is great. His might be the best WTF. Mm-hmm. And then the old school ones. I like, you know, I like the new ones. I, I get, uh, not to, I'm, I'm not going to critique Mark. All of his, every interview Mark does is fantastic. He's an amazing interviewer. Mm-hmm. But some of the ones I just kind of like, I'm like, eh, I don't really know that person. And then I I'm more into the comedians than the musicians. I, I, I just don't I'm, when he does a musician Jacob I'm, Dylan was a really great one and I liked I, who did he do um, I actually didn't like this one because I, this this is one of those guys you don't want to know anything about but Nick Cave I didn't I didn't listen to that it's like I don't want to know anything about that dude I like the mystery in him not you know I like the one he did with the girl from Slater Kinney I haven't heard that one. That was a good one. Like Carrie Brownstein? Yeah, because I liked Slater Kinney when I was in college. Well, she's so funny, too, because like Portlandia, so like that whole... Mm -hmm. But yours was the best, and I ran into you, and I was like, at the improv, and I was like, I remember I was on a plane, and I was listening to it. I was like, oh, I wonder what, I mean, I I thought I'd hear typical stuff, like, where do you buy your boots? Mm -hmm. You know, how how do you groom your beard? (laughs) Like, certain things that, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and you just got very honest about your whole upbringing, and... And your whole belief system, which no comic does, and and all of us, some guys are brazen about having no faith in God or no, mm-hmm. or, or just believing there's no God and just being atheistic. I'm not that guy. I one as a matter of fact, one of the things I said to Rogan when I first met him is I applauded him on. I said I really loved your last special because you talked about faith and you didn't shit on people that have faith. Yeah, you said there's people out there that have faith, and if that helps them get through fucking every day. Who the fuck am I to? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Who the fuck am I to say that that's wrong? Mm-hmm. You know. And he didn't shit on people of faith. And I went. I remember saying like, "Fuck yes." It's so easy to do that, and it yeah. makes me sick. And I, one of the coolest texts I got after I talked about that was from Anthony Jeselnik, who is an atheist who's open about it. Very, and, very. I, <laughs> I would say he's probably the definition of what you'd imagine an atheist to yeah. be—a nihilist almost. Yeah. yeah. And he he sent me a text that said, "If all Christians were like you, I wouldn't hate Christians." <laughs> And I was like, that means that I hit, you know, I hit people that hate religion and hate those people. And, uh, but I was so scared after taping that. I remember I left because him, he had, he had been mean to me a whole bunch of times. And I remember going in wanting to be like, fuck you, you're the fuck, you know? And then I just realized, oh, I can't, that's his game. Yeah. And if I just be honest about my life, then this won't be like a bulldozing, you know? Because eventually he was like, oh, yeah, I can't be a dick to you. You were, you were uh, like, like naked honest yeah and that was scary for the month he didn't release it <sighs> yeah i, I went home imagine. yeah and i hadn't i i was really struggling with my faith then still always you know but i remember going there angry and i got there 10 15 minutes early and i sat in my car and for the first time i prayed in like i don't know how long and when i went home and i was telling my wife like oh, i'm so <clears throat> scared i think i overexposed myself i think people are gonna hate me and and she said, but you said you prayed beforehand. And I was like, yeah. And she said, well, then why are you, you can't worry about it then. And it was like, you know, she's like that. I'm not, yeah. I still worried about it, but I, I look worry, back yeah. and yeah. 
that yeah, was, was an interesting moment. That month must have been terrifying because yeah. were you afraid? And you, you know how popular and that was I think like either hundred. 14, I think he had done 104, so it was still really new. I was, it was, it, I would say, and I st- I'd say he's still in the stride. Mm-hmm. Guys like him, Rogan and Corolla, him, him, him and Corolla, uh, Rogan and Corolla did an amazing podcast the other day because Corolla, for the first time, and I, I hope this comes off appropriate, was vulnerable. Was very mm-hmm. was was talking about not having money after having money and having to get into stand up and not knowing how to do it, and I was like. Holy shit! This is a great interview. Corolla, Corolla, and oh, like wow. Corolla, you get this like on you know, Marin? on no on 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 uh, Rogan on Rogan, mm. and Rogan's real good at not feeling like he's interviewing you. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, he gets something out of you, and you're like, oh shit! I know, I know. Actually, that happened. That happened the last time. I've done it a few times, and then I haven't done it since this one time. Where you know, you never know why somebody stops asking you to do something. No, I think it's generally him- because. No, I don't they think... They don't fuck... They're not even thinking about it. It's they're not, not thinking about yeah, it. Like, not. someone said to me... Uh, Russell Peters said to me... They texted me the other day, and he goes, how come you've never... This is like a month ago. He goes, how come you never asked me to be on your podcast? Quite honestly, I thought he was too busy. I yeah. just... I was like, I was like, he'll never want to do my podcast. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I just was like, I love to talk to him. Talk about the nicest guy. I was at his house yesterday. You were? At oh. Doing a podcast. And he is the sweetest fucking guy in the world this is so i was shopping with my wife like at the grove or something this is years ago <coughs> and i didn't know him that much but he had said something about me in the new york times like because i had had some joke and they were like <coughs> what's the best joke you've heard lately and he quoted me and then and they put my name in, and i was like oh my god like i'm in the new york times it says yeah. my name and and a week later i run into him at the grove and my wife's trying on jeans and he's with his wife or girlfriend at the time and talk for a few minutes and i tell him how grateful i am and and then he leaves and then I said to my wife, do you want to buy the jeans? And she's like, yeah, let's get them. So we go to the counter, and as I give them to the lady behind the counter, you know, we're going to buy these. And she just hands the jeans over in a bag and says, the gentleman who just left already bought them for you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what a thank you, because I couldn't afford to buy these jeans for my wife. <laughs> Not getting that New York Times residual. <laughs> he's, he's the uh, – he's – one of the most generous, sweetest guys, and one of the th- and he's very similar to all of us. You know, yeah. it's like you think because he's v- very wealthy and very successful. I mean, not wealthy makes it sound like he came from it. He's very successful. Well, he's just so business smart. Like, he's very surrounding him is what's his, his him and his brother are yeah. a fucking team. Mm-hmm. You know, and they fucking and his brother has his back wholeheartedly, and he wholeheartedly has his brother's back. It's, I'm jealous in a way. I wish I had a brother. I wish my sisters were smarter. But uh, but. He's and but you think because he's so successful, he doesn't have the same same things. And he was talking about the Bieber roast, and he was like, "Yeah, I was I wanted to be on it, and Bieber wanted me to be on it." And Comedy Central said no, and I got my feelings hurt. I thought it's so funny he didn't go to where I would have gone. I'm the biggest fucking act in the world. They said no to him being yeah. on the Bieber, roast? and he was like, "It really hurt my feelings." I thought, "What do I need to do? Do I need to submit like a like joke? Like I wrote jokes for it. I'll submit the jokes, and I'll and like and I went." I, in my head, the whole time he didn't go to where I thought he was going to go, which is I'm bigger globally than you. I'm bigger than Comedy Central globally. Yeah. No one knows what the fuck you are. Then more people know me as comedy than they know. Com- That's what I would have fucking said. That's what I would have been also, thumping to my chest like. But here's the great thing about that whole thing. I mean, he could have just gone to Bieber and said, hey, tell him to put me on this roast. Bieber right? did. And they said they said no because they're like, well, we got Snoop Lion. I, I don't know. The, the roasts. My my buddy writes for the roast. The roasts are great. They really make me laugh. Obviously, I missed the days that Geraldo was on it and Patrice. Like I missed. Yeah. I missed. The, I miss all the dead guys. And mm-hmm. but 
and but they're still great. I'm sure they they'll have great comics on. Well, here's the thing too is with he's not only great would probably be great at roasting Justin, but also like he could get roasted really well and take it and love it really well. He and everybody get... does know who he is, which is yes. kind of the silent burn in this country. I think where if I ask any friends in my hometown, do you know who Russell Peters is? It's like yeah, yeah. And they mostly a lot of them know his first YouTube video that like really went viral. But I mean, also he's just known. Yeah, I, I think. It, but I think I said to him, I go, "What it is? Comedy Central doesn't have money invested in you. They don't yeah. have a. They don't have a deal with you. They don't have a like. I, I know that. I I I said this is how fuck it. I mean, I'm not shitting on Comedy Central. I, they're a great group of people who, oddly enough, the people that work there are in our inner circles, and we all hang out with them, mm-hmm. and and we trust them. And a lot of them were comics or worked at comedy agencies. But I'm like, I mean, a long time ago, I submitted for a half hour forever, forever, never could get it. And at the point you start going like, the fuck, man, I'm killing on the road. Yeah. And then I did this thing called Reality Bites Back for them. And, uh, and, and, I, and it was, it was okay. I mean, it was, it wasn't, didn't, I don't think it did that great, but I did it. And then like one day I got offered an hour special and a third, a half hour special in the same day. Two different sides of the camps. The people doing hours offered me one, and the people doing half hours offered me one. And then when they found out they had both offered me one, they were like, don't worry about it. You can do both. And I went, okay, they've never paid attention to me. Now they're making it rain. Do you have enough material to do both? An at, hour and an at, hour and a half? At the, time, yeah. at the time, I at the time I could do one of them would have been really good. <laughs> the half hour. And the, and the, the, the hour probably – the, uh, the half hour would have been fucking fantastic because I would have focused more on the half hour. Yeah. I definitely would have focused more on the half hour just because that was where my – you know, that's where my head was. It's easy. I, that was what I got offered when I – because I had like this big kind of flash in a pan in the beginning and uh, I they offered me an hour. And, I, you know, everyone was like, yeah, take it. I didn't have yeah. an hour. I had no. – <laughs> 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 <coughs> so, you know, a couple months go by and they're like, we want to come out and see it. Because they were starting to set the date. Yeah. So they came to the Laugh Factory, and I did a 45-minute set that just I unraveled in the middle of, and things were good. And I went upstairs afterwards, and my manager was up there, and he was like, oh, buddy, come on. Why did you fold like that? And then I, I go over to the Comedy Central people, and they were like, what do you think about doing a half hour? And I was like, yes. Oh, thank you. Oh. Thank you. Oh. It's like when a girl, you go with a girl, it's like, I just feel like giving you a blowjob. You're like, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, None of the pressure great. of failure. Just me. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that really does take a lot of pressure. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking. Mm. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think I was. You did have like a very big. It's so funny. I was like, you're like silently. I, I was. I mean, I don't, I'm sure you probably knew it a little bit. So, by there's people I did not talk to. Mm-hmm. But I feel like uh, I definitely was like when you started blowing up. I was like, fuck yeah. And then you started like, like literally doing stuff. I was like, oh, I always wanted to do that too. <laughs> I was like, wait, yeah. he, wait, how did he just lap me so quickly? <laughs> And that's when you get like really powerful agents and managers that can just make stuff happen even if you're not ready for it. And then you get in that seat and you're like – and I'm really glad for those opportunities because now looking back – and I wasn't like not prepared to do some of the stuff I did. But you know, I think I probably got a show like a pilot or something where it was like, eh, there's probably better actors out there that (laughs) they could have gotten to do this. But people kind of jammed me in. Yeah, but but I feel like you know I was that guy. I was a flash in the pan, hardcore when I started. Mm-hmm. I got a, I got a development deal six months into doing stand up with Will Smith, and was back by coastal for the first f- probably three years of my career. 
Wow. And, and then I had a TV show. And then I, I had a deal with Will Smith, deal with CBS the next year, and then a TV show that lasted a year and a half, and then another TV show right after that. However, my wife gets pregnant, and the second she does, everything fucking disappears. It's crazy. And I and I tore it. I had half a million dollars in the bank. It's usually I, the opposite. Yeah. It's usually that you get the baby, and then everything just kind of... That's what happened to me, actually. I mean, not like it wasn't like I wasn't doing well, but... The real money came in once I ha- we were having a baby. It was really? Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, did you get more focused? Yeah. But also I had more of a purpose. You know, I think also it just made me a better performer and everything. It just made me better. No, what was the – What was the? I know. I mean I know that for for me when I had George, I had this joke about getting pulled over by the cops. Where you, you know what cops hate when you touch their faces and they come to a door and I go, shh, and then take off. <laughs> and I was like as soon as I had Georgia, I was working with Louis C.K. and I had never felt – more like a liar like i felt like a guy who just was making up stuff that not like i felt i felt more uh in in the in the in the mix of mediocre comics once i had georgia i went i went fuck like there's real shit out there there's like real life like a lot of these people hear it and it's light and it's fun but i watched louis ck who had been one of these mediocre middle of the road absurdists mm-hmm. and write the joke that everyone else could write but try to write it better and then I watched him that first week and he was it was the incarnation of what we now know Louis C.K. to be yeah and he was just turning over and he was it, turning was, the corner yeah. his, I remember him going my, my daughters are my daughters are assholes mm-hmm. and I remember people being like what how can he and one guy I was sitting at the bar and one guy's like that I do not care for his attitude about his kids and I was like what the fuck and I he was just fleshing it out that, that but, yeah point, but he was he was Turning the corner, and I remember going, "Oh, I need to write about like something real." Yeah, and so I wrote about. I think the first thing I wrote about with Georgia was the, and it did not work. But and now it now oddly enough, I can slide it in now and it works. But uh, is right, right when you get them and you think they're just going to die in the middle of the night. Oh yeah, and you just stare at them. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm enjoying it because mm-hmm. I'm, I had panic at night. I mean, I, I remember lifting. I, I am going through that. Really. Still, I have because I told you our dog passed away this last year, and that yeah. was tragic. And that was kind of like now everything. I never worry. I, I used to have like no worries at all, and then now there's just too many worries about you know just everything. Like last night, he woke up at two, rocking him till four a.m. because he's growing and he has teeth coming in, and it's just like the whole time I'm like, God, I hope this is just teeth and growing, and it's not like dying. Has he gotten sick yet? Yeah. Like how sick? He had the stomach flu a couple weeks ago where he just – we went into his room and there was vomit all over his crib and all over him. And he was just sitting there like, uh, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? I think I'm possessed. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> He's just vomiting everywhere. Like, mm. Oh, God. And I'm not a good vomit guy. I don't do well with vomit. I don't do – I've never, I've never once seen my kids throw up because I'll throw up. Yeah, no. And have you ever heard somebody say, I'm not a bad vomit guy? Yeah. I can, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good vomit guy actually. I'm a, I'm a horrible I'm not good guy. vomiting. I'm not good at vomiting. Uh, I vomited. So I came back off of the road and I I think sometimes I, I think I might be a little bipolar. And so I was I had a real I had a really hot day where I was firing hot and I was loving it and I'm you know a few cocktails in the morning mm-hmm. and yeah get on the plane <laughs> fucking come home and I'm not feeling so hot. I go out to dinner with my wife and her her father and father and I come back and I'm sick and I uh I had a robe on 
I sat on the toilet, sat on the robe, shat in the robe, and then threw up in the on the. And I'm 42. My wife's like, my wife walked in like a fucking soldier and was like, "Don't worry, it's okay. Get it out, get it out." And I'm just throwing up on the floor, <laughs> on the walls. I'm oh, shitting in a robe, fuck. and and my wife's just like, "It's okay." She's like, "All right," and then just oh. wraps it up, clean, go get in the shower, get in the shower. It's gonna be fine. Get in the shower, keep throwing up. But that's my wife. My wife is like. She's meant. She was meant to be a mom and yeah. deal with throw up. I cannot. Yeah, my wife can do that too. I am not. The I guy. didn't see him throw up once. I helped clean that one up, and then the rest of the day, the four other times, she just kind of. I had stuff. I had meetings. <laughs> I just got an audition. <laughs> Whoa! In one hour, well, my phone's blowing up. <laughs> hey, the good thing, good news is, I book one of these. We don't have to worry about this house. You know? Yeah. I yeah. I, I feel like I oh, was. God. I'm not. I, I was not ready for the vulnerability of being a father. I was not ready for that. I mm-hmm. I was cool with the idea of being a dad and me and hanging out with other dads and grilling out. Yeah. And like and like beers in the backyard and and playing softball in the front yard. Uh hugs, jumping on the couch, getting in bed Sunday morning, the whole family in bed with the dogs yeah. and the cat. I love all that shit. I love all that shit. Teaching them how to ride bikes. That's the only thing I've ever really done as a parent. Honestly. I mean like uh, everything else she handles. Oh yeah. I taught him how to hit a softball. Mm-hmm. I taught him how to catch a softball, throw a softball. I taught him how to um, – their tennis coach teaching him tennis. But I taught him both how to ride bikes and swim. I taught him both how to swim mm-hmm. and both how to ride bikes. How old were they when you taught him how to swim? Uh, George was probably, I would say, maybe four. Isla was around, mm-hmm. and Isla was probably four. Because I'm looking into swim lessons right now for him. But just to get him in a pool, teach him, like, water's the, great. You love water. It's the best thing. I've taken him in a few pools, but – we took Georgia to swim lessons probably at that age. Probably around probably around uh I'm gonna say Georgia was maybe three Georgia might have been six when she learned how to swim. Six or five. Mm-hmm. She might have been older. But we took Georgia to a swim teacher and she just wouldn't fucking do it. She did not want to do it and she would not do it. And the guy was like, It's a waste of your time and my time. She's not gonna do it. And he's like he's like, just keep her away from water. Fuck <laughs> you, pal. And but then I taught George I taught Georgia how to swim and I taught Isla how to swim. I taught him how to ride the bikes. That is the one thing I've done as a parent. That I can say wholeheartedly, I've been proudest days of my life. Yeah, easily proudest days of my life. When you sit back and you're like, I, I mean, I remember, I remember where I taught Isla. I taught Isla. Isla's my f- fucking my lunatic kid. I taught Isla in front of this house on the street. She was like, I'm ready to ride a two wheeler, and I go, okay. She's like, I'm ready. So we take the wheels off her bike, and we and I get behind her and I hold her by the back and I just kind of jog with her. I had plantar fasciitis at the time and it was really hurt to run. It really hurt to run. But I'm running with her and then I just kind of like let her go a little bit and then hold on to her and she goes and then I let go and she just keeps going. I go, you're doing it, you're doing it. And then I go, keep pedaling and she just pedaled fast as fuck, blew through a stop sign. I'm like, stop, Isla, stop. <laughs> she would not stop. This is, By the way, I think this is on Vine. This oh, is how long ago God. this was. So, um, so then I go, that's awesome. So I go, let's go back. So we go back, and she fucking runs into a car. She runs into a fucking BMW up over the handlebars onto the fucking thing. But then Isla's like, I can do it again. So she did it again. But that's, and then I taught Georgia over at the park. See, the falling, that's what's going to scare the shit out of me. Here's a big thing I did yesterday was we were, I took him to a park, and he said doggy because he's, you know, he's 16 months, so he's saying words and stuff. And, but he's never really responded to me asking him a question. Yeah. And so I just said, are you a doggy? And he just said, no. <laughs> and I was like, that's amazing. We just had a conversation. <laughs> Our first conversation. One of my favorite things to do to kids is uh, 
like I love this more than anything, especially at that age. And then we say this because there was a bunch of kids in our neighborhood at the time that were around that age, around George's age, is to drive down the street when you see them walking down the street, their parents, and recognize them. Mm-hmm. And go, Kalen? And then watch her go, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I do it to dogs and yeah, kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, I, I can't wait. That, that's why I want to get a dog, too, because I feel like kids and dogs are yeah. pretty it, fun to watch. It is. Did you, have, you ever, have you listened to Al Madrigal's joke about sand toys? No. Okay, now that you have a kid. By the way, it's my favorite it's my favorite father joke ever. I love about his 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 parents stuff is really good. His parents stuff is fucking mm-hmm. spot on. Yeah. I don't understand how he does as much as he does because mm-hmm. he writes all this great material. He works on like three TV shows. He's got all things comedy. He does his podcast. He and he fucking works around his house and he's a great dad. Yeah. And his wife's hot as fuck. Have you been to their house? No. He tried to get got me- a new house. It is ridiculous. Oh, good. I'm glad. He tried to get me the house by the house across the street from him. And I was yeah, like, no, he was telling me about it too. He yeah. kept saying like, dude, come on. <laughs> yeah. Where do you think I am? Where are they living now? In Pasadena. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. I fucking love Al. Yeah. No, wait, did you um did you so he's 16, 16 months old? Mm-hmm. Do you are you guys going to like uh mommy and me classes or anything? Yeah, mommy and me, I take him to my gym. Yeah, <laughs> which is like this gymnastics. Uh, they just play with balls. And How shit. old are you? Thirty-five. Yeah, that's right. That's probably where I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it's such a great time. Yeah, oh, it's man. so fun. And I'm a I'm a hands-on dad. Like I do like to be involved, and I feed him dinner, and you know my, I don't get up exactly when he gets up. I'm about a half hour behind him, but. Did you make the coffee? <laughs> yeah, no, no. That that's the thing though. My wife got for my birthday this. Um, coffee making that's like pour over coffee you ever had pour over coffee uh-uh. and it's this really long way of making coffee and now she's angry about it because i wake up a half hour later and come out and then i have a 20 minute process to make one cup of coffee and she'll be like oh you're are you grumpy making coffee and i'm like yeah the, the fuck i'm grumpy making this coffee because it takes 20 minutes and it's what you gave me there's no other way to make coffee in our house. <laughs> wait, what? That is, wait, so wait. Because we had the Keurig and she threw it out. I come home one day and it's in the garbage. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, and she's like, cancer. there's bad plastic in it. I'm like, oh. I just had a Keurig God. today. You're having a Keurig right now. Yeah, I don't, I'll drink a Keurig. I, I don't care. I've been drinking those. That's all Leanne makes. We used to make pots of coffee, but then I'd get like fucking tweaker crazy. Oh, yeah. Because I'll drink coffee until I'm sick. Well, this coffee that I make in the morning is like the strongest way to make it really russell peters has uh cold brewed coffee oh yeah that'll make that'll give you a major anxiety attack i had to take a xanax last night <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even fucking around i had to take I a xanax literally was talking i was like you know what i feel like i have gravity might stop existing and i might flight into the atmosphere and I'm, my hands are sweating I, I, think I'm gonna take a xanax. I love xanax i had to give it up i here's here's when i gave it up i was on a flight um and this is me trying to be like, oh, I'm a really good guy here. But So I'm on a flight that was pretty empty, and I was sitting in my own row, and there was a guy behind me sitting in a row, and I'm sitting there. And I just hear, hey. And I turn around, and he goes, you want a Xanax? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, come see, sit next to me. I'm like, all right. So I go back. <laughs> So I go back and sit next to this guy, and he, there's a middle seat and him and on the window, yeah. and I'm sitting, I take the Xanax, and I'm like, so what's your story? He's like, dude, I'm just really fucking nervous, and I wouldn't mind just like if you don't – we don't have to talk, but I don't know. Yeah. And, and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I have major PTSD. I'm just back from the war, and I'm going to see my daughter for the first time. Really? Yeah. Going to see my daughter for the first time that he hasn't seen since she was born. And his girlfriend at the time has already left him, and she's now with another guy. And he's coming from Walter Reed. And uh, 
he's going to see his daughter for the first time in Montana. We've got a layover in Denver. And so we get there, and me and this guy are on Xanax. We've had some cocktails. And we get in the Denver airport. You know, there's like a, there used to be bars you could smoke in the Denver airport. Yeah. Let's go have a cigarette. So we go up to have a cigarette and have another drink in this bar. And he's sitting there, and he's talking about he, one of his injuries was like an eye injury, and, he, and he's really sensitive to brightness, and he'd lost his sunglasses. And we're sitting there, and I'm like, I've got a pair of like Ray-Bans, and I'm like, all right. So I just like, I got to go catch my flight. And I was like, hey, man, take these sunglasses and like, just good luck, you know? And I, and I walk away and I call my wife as I'm walking and I'm bawling, walking through the Denver airport, <laughs> crying. And after all this stuff, she goes, you gave away your sunglasses? And I was like, yeah, I gave them away. And she goes, have you maybe taken any Xanax or been drinking? I was like, yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> and she's like, okay, no more Xanax. You can't start giving your clothes away to people. <laughs> Take my sunglasses with you like Mean Joe Green. <laughs> but I mean, the story was so hard. I mean, but I yeah. just get emotional. I can cry in a dime when I'm on a pill or something. Dude, <laughs> I, I think, Unless I wonder if that natural. was response. I used to, I, I still cry on planes a lot. I cry on planes. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, I've, I've, I cried during fucking Blindside. What's that movie with us? Blindside? Yeah, I didn't cry at Blindside. I was too cynical. Well, have you seen it on a flight? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why planes do that to me. I, I, I will go through the short list of... Things that have made me cry on planes. Uh, walking tall with the rock. <laughs> That's maybe my most mm-hmm. embarrassing one. Uh, <laughs> well, he'll have those sentimental moments in his movie. You know? I've cried a lot lately. I cried at Time Traveler's Wife. Every time makes me cry. Mm-hmm. Every time. And then especially now that you see it. If you see it now as a father. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's basically our story is comics as we go. Mm-hmm. And we're gone, and our wife oh, has God. to deal with life as mm-hmm. uh, by herself. And then you have kids, and one day you die. Uh-huh. Is she good? No, she is she good about she's, you traveling? She's amazing. I, don't, I actually don't think she likes me being home. Like it's so interesting. I I'm sure I've told this at some point, but we get along better when I'm on the road on the phone. We have really great conversations. Mm-hmm. And one time, and when I'm here, I drive her fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know if you saw my all my gear is for the trip is all laid out there, yeah. and she had just cleaned the backyard like the table off, and then I I, I see it clean, so I flip the fucking bag out, scuba gear, climbing gear, mm-hmm. rodeo boots. Like you're traveling my, with all this stuff. I travel with all the. I travel with three fucking bags. I have to bring my own gear to do a lot of the stuff we do. And so when you're mm-hmm. traveling scuba gear, you got fins. Fucking my mask is broke, so now I got to go get a new mask. It's like, uh, and I bring all my own climbing gear because I, you know, I I want my own climbing gear. I don't want to borrow someone's fucking yeah, yeah. rig. Um, but I drive her nuts. So one time we were fighting in the morning and I was like, I'm fucking out. I went to Barry's boot camp, worked out. I'm coming home. I call her and I was like, hey, she goes, hey, babe, what's up? I was like, oh, this is odd. She's like, I was like, uh, nothing. What are you doing? She's like, nothing. Where are you at? I said, I'm crossing Laurel Canyon. She goes, what? I said, I'm crossing. I'm coming over Laurel Canyon. She went, oh, that's right. You're home. And just hung up. And I was like, she thought I was on the road <laughs> and was just like, hey, babe, what's up? And I was like, oh, God. so yeah, but she's, she is That's great. She's, she's a extra introvert. Mm-hmm. So she likes being alone. She was an only child. My wife doesn't. We, we, do you have family here? My two sisters. Oh, so that's nice. They, yeah. They probably come over when you're out of town. My sister, out one of my sisters comes over once a week, but my sisters are always there for my wife if they need her. Mm-hmm. So my wife can drop the girls off. And they love my daughters, love my sisters. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, and my wife's got a nice tight knit group of friends over here. That's, that's one thing that we family would be nice, but my wife, like I have to prove to her what, why I need to leave sometimes, which gets a little frustrating. Yeah. And like even doing South by Southwest this week, she's like, how much are you getting paid? And I'm like, it's not a, it's about being on South by Southwest. Like that is 
a, 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 an accomplishment. Like it means something to be a part of a festival like that. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, she doesn't see – all she sees is, okay. I've seen go- money come in for this other stuff that's yeah. a lot bigger than – you being gone for five days. I'm like, but part well, of it is like like tonight, I had a gig at, I hope Red Band hears this, or I hope someone tells Red Band about this. I had to text him and tell him, and but I couldn't tell him and everything in the text. So I was supposed to do uh, the Death Squad Secret Show for Red Band. Me, Joey Diaz, Ari, I wanted to do it. I really wanted to do in, it. Uh, in, uh, in at the comedy store. Yeah. Oh, and okay. then, and, and, uh, and this morning, everything starts falling apart. And the girls, I tell the girls I'm working tonight, and Georgia starts crying, and I'm, uh, I'm like, and she's like, why? Well, just stay home. Just stay home. Don't work. You're always working. And then I'm like, and then I and then I got to get a fucking new hard drive for my thing because all these videos that I'm shooting for the podcast mm-hmm. have overwhelmed what was my backup disc. And I need to get a new scuba mask. I got to get, I just went out and bought a cowboy hat because we're running cattle. And so like, I'm overwhelmed. And Leanne's like, and I need to get a haircut. And Leanne's like, you can't, you can't do the show. Call Brian. Say you can't do the fucking show. And she's like, I can't. Mm-hmm. You need to be here for the girls. You're only home. You're only home to. Fu- don't do stand up. Do stand up. You're going on the road in Seattle. Do stand up there. Where so, in Seattle? Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helium, maybe. Parlor Live. Yeah, Parlor Live. Um, and so, uh, and so I like texted Ribbon. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't make the show. Yeah, and I knew this. Was, uh, what's that? Sometimes parents can pull that though. Like I, that's been my best excuse for canceling shit right yeah. now. Is is I is it, if I go? And here's the reason I. That she, my wife's saying is, if I go, I'll leave here around eight o'clock, seven thirty. The girls will still be up. The girls, if I'm, if I stay, we'll go out to dinner tonight, mm-hmm. and we'll stay out until nine because it's my last night, and we'll stay out till nine, and we'll come home, we'll fuck around in the house, and the girls will stay up late. But if I go, I'll get fucking hammered. I know I will. I'll get, <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. get lit. I'll take a car service over, a car service mm-hmm. back, and my wife will just, and and then I'll be, I won't wake up to say goodbye to the girls tomorrow. I'll just be like a, in a piece of shit mood. That's my flight funny... leaves at six. Oh, six a.m. No, I my car picks me up at six. Oh God. Yeah. That's the thing too is I had a car service take me to a show there, and he's like, "Why haven't? Why don't you just drive?" I'm like, "Well, because I'm probably have a few drinks." Really? <laughs> You're gonna do that? Just it's, and I'm like, I'm pro and I, I I'm probably not gonna get wasted, but I just don't want to risk yeah anything. But then it's just like, all right, I'll drive. Maybe yeah. you'll, maybe you'll see me tonight, <laughs> maybe, or maybe I'll call you in from jail. Like that's why I, I say to my wife, I go, "I'm taking a car service." She goes, "It's why just drive," and I go, "Because I'm I may have a few beers, and if I have." Here's the thing. If I have two beers, maybe I'll have three. If I have three beers, I don't know if I'm okay to drive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, and I don't want to put anyone's life in jeopardy. I go, why don't you just – she's like, call Joey. Go with Joey. I go, if I go with Joey, I'm getting fucking blasted. Yeah. Like I'm going to come back a different guy. At a different time. <laughs> yeah, at, and I don't know when I'm coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Joey's the kind of guy who's like, hey, let's go find a dog and walk it. You know? <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I, it's – it's interesting because my wife's the same way. Let's like go I'll do find a dog and I'll, walk it. I'll do. He called me one time and he goes, "Come on, man, let's go find a dog and walk it, burn a bone." And I was like, oh, "Okay." So, uh, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Our line of work is hard to explain because I can yeah. hear what your wife says. You were you were uh, in you were more into music when you first started, correct? Yeah, you were in bands growing like up. Some I was like in a cover band in Seattle, and I had a band with another guy that never you know did anything. What but, kind of music? Um kind of folky you know like folky with a mix of like not D- dave matthews bit but like that at that time in my life and i'm 17 you know dave matthews was fucking killing it yeah <laughs> but i 
you know, just trying to like make something. And then I remember I heard Neil Young and I was like, oh, I, cause I got into music kind of late. My parents brought me up on like Manhattan transfer. If you know what that is? It's like, no. <laughs> like a six group singing group, you know, like just like Boston, like just bad music. Oh yeah. Like yeah, Whitney yeah, yeah. Houston and stuff. Yeah. And then I heard Dave Matthews and I was like learning guitar and I was like, oh my God, this guy's like a singer songwriter. And so then we started to write music and then I heard Neil Young and I was like, oh, this is the guy that is the singer songwriter and Dave yeah. Matthews is like a jam. Like, and I, I like slowly progressed into what was the beginning of this kind of music, I guess, you know? So I was trying to make that kind of stuff like Neil Young, whatever. Yeah. Eventually. But then I, then I realized I like, I'm not a good singer. I don't, and I need to be the front person of whatever I'm in. Like, yeah. That's why I'm doing this for the fucking fame. <laughs> uh, you're talking to a front man right now. I got a, I didn't get arrested, got it, but I got put in the back of a cop car in college. Uh, a very long story. My buddy kidnapped my dog, and I said I was gonna fucking kill him. And my dad was I was on the phone with my dad at the time. My dad had called when I found out it was kidnapped. My dad called the cops on me. Called the cops. He said, uh, "My name's Al Chrysler. My son lives here. He is extremely upset, and his friend has kidnapped his dog. Go and put my arrest my son. Put him in the back of a cop car so that nothing happens. Mm-hmm. So the cops showed up, and they they were like, "Calm down. It's gonna be okay." Why don't we sit in the car and talk about it? And so they put me. I did. I didn't even think about it. When you get in the back of a cop car, you can't just open the yeah, door. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, Hey, wait. What the fuck? You guys are dicks. <laughs> and so, but I remember they said to me as they were kind of like, "Do the calm down statement. What do you do for a living?" I said, "I'm a front man." And they went, "Excuse me." And I was like, oh, I'm a student, but I'm a front man of a band. And they're like, mm-hmm. what's the name of your band? I was like, giving out spankings. Like, it was a horrible band. Giving out spankings. Giving out spankings. Kind of music? Uh, well, quite honestly, and I th- I'm sure you debate, anyone in the band that would, deb- would debate this, I was trying to do what Limp Bizkit ended up doing. I wanted mm-hmm. to do mashups of hip-hop because I was obsessed with hip-hop growing mm-hmm. up. But I was also obsessed with Nirvana. And this these group of guys introduced me to Nine Inch Nails, to Ministry, to um to I was already a big James Addiction. They introduced me to Nirvana, honestly. I I didn't really give care much for Nirvana. I didn't know that they were as important as they were. Yeah. The and time. John Daker was like, No, you gotta listen to you gotta listen to the lyrics. You gotta listen to the music. And right at that time they had done their um their acoustic album. The one oh, they're, they're unplugged. Yeah, they're unplugged. And I heard they're unplugged and I was like, Wow. And he goes, Whoa and then um, John Daker's responsible for all this if you guys want to know who john dacre is he is the guy who wrote the intro music for this podcast he wrote that for me yeah that sounds i like that yeah and so he um i was just listening to shane moss he is so fucking funny yeah i love that guy Mm -hmm. um and so john dacre said this is you want to really get into nirvana and he's like he played on a plane he showed me how to play it on acoustic guitar and then he plugged in the electric guitar and he goes now play it on electric guitar and so i and i was like addicted i was addicted i was like oh fuck nirvana when you play it on an electric guitar when i learned how to play all their songs i was like this is you feel like a rock star do you still play guitar a lot yeah Mm -hmm. uh not not good though Mm -hmm. like i can like i end up fucking around just like i end up just playing like old blind melon songs i was obsessed with blind melon yeah there was a period in college where all I would do is play by mile and smoke weed and watch snowboarding videos. Yeah. That was, th- that was a big ski video game. Really? Yeah, growing up. Like Greg Stump Films. Do you ever know who that was? Like mm. this guy, Glenn Plake, who's, you know, the skier with the mohawk? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Kind of, he's like one of the famous skiers from like the 90s or whatever. Anyways, these were like cool, like 
kind of jackassy. I mean, just like really cool, like extreme extreme sports stuff with funny kind of interludes. Yeah. Did uh what um so wait what were your bands like like uh like well because I was in Seattle so there was the whole Seattle music scene yeah I mean, when Kurt Cobain died my school had a day off really yeah where we could still go and see Council or whatever my junior high because it was a big deal you know you were in junior high yeah dude I was in college you want to know something crazy it was the day it was the week after our spring break and on spring break we were in Key West and I jokingly said Kurt Cobain killed himself. And everyone's like, oh, my God. And, and and we let it play in with this group of 12 people that we were with. And then all of a sudden that night someone found out. I was like, you dick. And the next week he killed himself. And two of the girls were there like, sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what what's whatever that who's that musician, the girl that died of drug overdose, the British chick, the um, uh, Amy Winehouse. Yes. I was at a festival in Dublin when she died and everybody was laughing like it's a joke because I guess the rumor had circulated once before, too. Really? And it circulates always at festivals, like where, do you hear, you know, like it just kind of goes around these music yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's almost like, that would be a fun documentary if you just passed around a GoPro and you heard people tell people and it just went from people to people to people. Oh, and yeah. then all of a sudden, some Noel Gallagher's like, I'd like to take a minute. <laughs> so wait, so what, so who were hey, your, go. who did you, who were you like? <clears throat> well, I mean, I like Nirvana, but I think I was a little too young. Like kids in my school were into it, but those were like the grunge kids and those kids were like, you know, everybody liked them, but there were people that were like obsessed. Yeah. I never got to see him live or anything. It's too young. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really like, like I said, like it started with Dave Matthews just because I was playing guitar and people, and he was so big at the time that it was like, can you oh, play Dave Matthews songs? Acoustics. I can still jam out some. Yeah. You can play a Dave Matthews song. <laughs> a few of them. I'm pulling my guitar out in two seconds. If you can play a Dave Matthews <laughs> oh, yeah. song. No, it's not a problem. I mean, I could play, they're all pretty close to each other. Um, but he does play. He was unique at the way he played guitar, which was an interesting way to kind of learn in the beginning. Because I never took lessons; I just kind of learned by learning songs or whatever. Yeah. First song I learned was "Proud Mary," because my parents listened to all old music, so like Credence, all that. How stuff. How old are your parents? Were they older? Much older? No, they had me accidentally. I think they were about thirty. Yeah. Are you the uh, only child? Sixty something now? No, four kids for siblings. Yeah. So you, are you the oldest? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So what do your other siblings do? Teacher, cop. And someone's in school right now to be a uh, high school counselor. Teacher and cop? Yeah. Brothers cop? Yeah. Really? They're, they're twin brothers. and yeah, that's So my sister's a teacher one year younger than me, like Irish twins. like. And then, yeah, the twins are five years younger. And they couldn't be in different directions. What kind of name? Like, because Thune's a cool name. Thank you. Like, no, <laughs> I remember I was, when I was I, young, I thought it sucked. I was like, really? I wish I just had a regular, like, Smith or anything. Just give me something normal. Um, and still people can't pronounce it, which I, it just seems so obvious to me. T-H-U-N-E. It's like, yeah. people are like, tune? Tune? Thun? <laughs> Don't, you know how words work, right? <laughs> like, it's so obvious. It's like when people would go, people always put an N in my name, Chrysler. Oh, and I go, yeah. there is no N. Like, we, I don't know where you're putting an at because it's not in there. A lot of times people see a name like yours and there's a lot going on in it. You know, with the I-E and the, yeah. the S-H, S-C-H or whatever. So they'll kind of just add a letter because they don't want to get it wrong. And I like I do that a lot too, where I'm like, do you know who Kurt Braunohler is? Yeah. So I'll, I up until maybe a couple of weeks ago, I'd be like Kurt Braunohler, like because I was just trying to guess how the last name goes and not go too far in either direction. Uh, I could do I did that with uh, uh, Brandon. Brand, God damn it! Now I'm doing this because I'm doing this. I had. Brendan Schwab, Brendan Schaub on my podcast. Oh yeah, you know a mixed martial artist. But Brandon and Brandon, Brandon and Brandon yeah. coming, and Brandon's a redneck name. Mm-hmm. Every in the South, you call them Brandons. They're Brandons. There's no Brendans. 
but like, is it it's Brandon Walsh though, right? You know Brandon. Brandon Walsh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I get those fucked up. When in college we get fuck high, we get high, and we our favorite thing to do is mispronounce someone's name just off by a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we'd be like, uh, I can't remember who we used to do it to the most, but it was like it was my buddy Blair did it to everyone. And it was so funny to watch people not call you on it. Yeah, and or- just be like. That's the one direction that I used to also my my bit in like the college time was like to introduce my friend Todd as Glenn, and then he'd be like, "My name's Todd," to this new guy he's never met, and I'm like, "This is his bit. It's Glenn." <laughs> he does he does a Todd bit. That would be a funny. That, by the way, that would be a funny show of because before we were comedians, we had our bits to make our friends laugh. Yeah. Like mine was when you go to a concert, just yell, Jennifer! And like 30 girls would turn around and look. I mean, that's my age. Yeah. Everyone's named Jennifer. Mm-hmm. That was one. Um, uh, I was a big putting my pubes on things guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know how easy it is to kind of just rip out a few pubes? I, yes, <laughs> and, I do. And then like in high school, like, at, like my buddy would go to the bathroom and he'd have a paper out and I'd just like load it with pubes and <laughs> sit there. And, Our big thing was put your dick between your legs, walk in the room and go, have you guys seen my dick? Yeah. That was a big one. A lot one. of dick, the helicopter, yeah, yeah. the wristwatch. Oh, yeah. Hey, what time is it? Yeah. Just I, dick over arm. Or I take my scrotum and I'd pull it out real taut and go, jump, jump. <laughs> um, there were, I'm trying to think, because I mean, I like, I, I literally was, you know, obviously I was the life of the party. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, I had like a litany of bits. That's how I got in was I was writing comedy songs. Like I'd write comedy songs at parties and play them on the guitar. Yeah, that's how I started, too, was writing a song for a class that I was in, actually. Really? It was just like a way of getting out of giving a speech. I was like, oh, you know it would be interesting if I gave a speech with while I was playing guitar? And really? And the teacher was like, I don't know. I'm like, just let me try it. And that's kind of how I started doing stand-up that way. Do you, do you, you don't bring the guitar on stage anymore? I No. Well, this next hour I'm doing, I don't think I'm going to, yeah. At all? No, because it doesn't – I this is a like, story of me turning 35 and having a kid and – I don't think there's any guitar in that. Have you, you know? written a, any? You haven't written a great lullaby for your son. Oh yeah. Oh no, I have. <laughs> I've done a few, but the but I want it to stand alone is just like because I guess if you do for me doing guitar on my first two albums is like they're great and I don't I love I like what I did. I'm yeah. not unhappy with it, but I like the challenge of, and I want to get I want some people you know to be like oh he doesn't need that. It's uh, I brought the guitar up. I've only brought a guitar up one time on stage, mm-hmm. and that one time made me solidify that I will never do it again. No. And, it, and what happened was it was that guitar, and it, that st- you see that sticker on there. There's a it should be a sticker oh, yeah, on right the there. yeah. Mm-hmm. That sticker is indicative of that night. So I brought the guitar on stage, same guitar. It's the only guitar I've ever had. I've have a I have like a twelve string, and I have a, I have a travel guitar that I think's probably behind it. Mm-hmm. But like I brought that guitar on stage, I placed it at the Boston Comedy Club over by the fireplace. I don't even think it was a fireplace, but it looked like a fireplace. It was a mantle. I placed it on the wall, and I did started to do stand-up. And I was going to close with this song. But all anyone did was just stare at the guitar. Oh, yeah. The whole time. And I went, and no one listened. And I bombed so hard for the first five minutes that by the time I got to the guitar, they thought I sucked. So when I played the song, and the song was this ballad about this guy who falls in love and has sex, but then you find out that it's a cheeseburger that he's fucking... Not, well, maybe the song deserved big turn. Yeah, yeah. But it was I got I bombed so bad. My sister and my cousin Abe were with me, and they were they were like part of my bringers. 
And when we got into the cab to go back to my apartment, they were so uncomfortable being in there with me that they peeled that sticker off the back of the cab. They just both focused on that and, <laughs> and would not speak to me. And I sat silent with a guitar in my lap, like just sitting there going, oh, fuck. And then when they got it all the way off, they're like, oh, no, what the fuck? So they put it on that guitar case. Every time I see that sticker, I think of that. I'm surprised that this thing has stayed on. Well, I don't travel with that guitar much. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. like pretty much it was on my flight out to la and that's it but i mm. so i stopped i can understand that i can understand being being handicapped or just wanting to just know for myself like i don't need that and it's interesting because i was on my last tour i was every now and again breaking it out on stage but i had it on stage and i was doing shows without ever touching it and i could tell that some people were like what's it out here for yeah <laughs> for me right kind now of a funny bit i thought and it also in the end to never touch just to pick it up and then put it on the other side of yeah. stage <laughs> I, my big thing now is and i and obviously i don't need to hear anyone talk about this or, or reply or give me your insights i appreciate that you guys like my shows so whatever but my big thing is i got into this phase i got in this phase where i was i were i got in this phase where i was ripping my shirt off on st- when i got on stage i ripped my shirt mm-hmm. off and then i'd i'd have music bring me on stage i rip my shirt off pound a beer and then it's well i see your instagrams where it's it's well a lot of after show shots where you're shirtless well what happened was i got to the point where i was like well it's pointless to put the fucking shirt back on because now all anyone halfway through the show they're like take your shirt off again so i just started doing shows shirtless i've been doing shows shirtless now for probably a year a full show a full show just shirtless <laughs> that's amazing i didn't know that well, it's amazing it's amazing uh it's, but- and i got this huge compliment i wish i could remember the comics it would, it would mean mm-hmm. something uh, but he said, you know, I'm giving you a heads up. Uh, I think it's pretty fucking spectacular that you're doing a show with your shirt off the entire time because most people, if they rip their shirt off, they can't follow that. Mm-hmm. Like that's like that energy is so high, but you're you're following it. And I took this as such a fucking heartfelt compliment that I was like, fuck it. So I just do my show with my shirt off. Do you walk like get introduced, walked out shirtless? Walk out with a shirt. I don't even know why the fuck I'm wearing it. Mm-hmm. Walk out with a shirt. Get on stage. Usually I have something because I do get depressed on the road. I have a song that will cheer me up. Mm-hmm. Like for a while it was Maxim Ludwig and the Santa Fe Seven. Mm-hmm. For a while, it's for a long time it was Black Betty. Oh, Black Betty, yeah, yeah. Bam, bam. That was a great song to come on stage to. It was Miley Cyrus for a little bit, and then <laughs> Lady Gaga, and then for a long time it was uh, it was um, Kesha's Die Young. That song just sent me through the mm-hmm. roof. And last week it was in Columbus, it was uh, Joe Walsh's um, Rocky Mountain High. And you let the whole song play. I let. Probably a solid two minutes of it play, mm-hmm. and I and I will talk over the song. I will find it's a great way to get in the moment for me because whatever thoughts that are organic in my head, I will speak over the song. So you don't really hear them laughing or not laughing. I'm just telling a secret usually about like like on that one. I was talking about that I like drinking by myself and I like getting weird as fuck at night. And it's just mm-hmm. and it's more like a and I and I kill a drink, shirts off, cut the music, and then. For me, it's a great. I don't know. I don't know. I just like it. I have fun. I had fun. I have fun with it. Yeah. And I don't have the kind of body that it matters. Like people find it funny, and I sweat. What if? What about this? I, I was just, and you can edit this out if you want to use it. What if you walked on stage? The song, you just a regular come up, and as the song's ending, and like don't put a big thing into the song, just kind of let it fade yeah. out. But on stage, have a wardrobe rack with one hanger on it. <laughs> 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 like literally like you're coming home and you're taking your jacket off oh, but walk on stage oh that's a fucking genius and take your shirt off and hang oh, out in the wardrobe a rack fucking genius and then go into your act oh, almost like never acknowledge it in, in a way of you know I mean obviously like laugh about it or whatever but at first make it seem like a 
All right, honey, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> just take it off and hang it up. God, that's fucking good. Yeah. I got to try that. I yeah. got to try that. Yeah, and you just have to say I need something to hang a shirt. It, it, a wardrobe rack would be amazing. Yeah. Or like, yeah, anything. Or if they just had like a, a hat rack and you could just kind of drape it over the. Oh, that would be But like a professional great. like hang up. I and mean, if you had a jacket on and a shirt, like you could do it. <laughs> you have a jacket over a shirt and they're like, oh, he's going to take his jacket off. Then, yeah. Oh, there goes the shirt. <laughs> Hang it up. <laughs> That's cool. Hey, guys. I'm Bert. Thank I you get, so much. I get really cold. I, re- mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a very, I, I always get cold. If I'm nervous or whatever, and mm-hmm. before I go on stage, I'm always nervous. I'm always, I'm always a little heightened. I always get cold. So in Columbus, and it was cold in Columbus, I was wearing a fucking, like a big feather puffy jacket. Mm-hmm. And I was going on stage in it. And they're like, why are you wearing that? And I was like, I'm going to take it off anyway. I'm just wearing it because I'm cold right now. And then I go on stage and I'd sweat. But yeah, I uh, yeah. but but and I say this like now I've been semi handicapped by this one thing mm-hmm. because to go up on stage organically and just no like leave your shirt on, no music, go up and tell a joke. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's so funny. It's so not what the road's about. It's gotten for you into a place of you it it's it gets i know what you mean because mentally i'll have something and then i'll be like i've got to get rid of it like i was going up actually and and starting the show off with me walking on stage and saying um thank you guys so much for coming out it means a lot and you know it's like really quiet and somber and i just i just want to say like i know it's important for you guys to be here (laughs) and i back up and i have the sound i have all these cues and i put my head down like that my hand and then they dim the lights black yeah. And then they start Drake started from the bottom, but it's a track that I've edited. You know that song? Yeah, started from the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, but I have it edited to where it starts out and it started from the bottom. Now I'm here, and it's like whatever. And then the lyrics drop out because I like took out the lyrics and his music, and then it fades down. And then I go into the story about how I broke my arm in Tampa um, a year and a half ago, and it's like this, like kind of like started from the bottom story, and I start comparing myself to Bo Jackson. <laughs> And like all this stuff on the Bo Jackson to comedy because I play guitar and tell jokes and he played football and baseball. And, and then finally I was shooting this documentary on a tour and the guy's like, listen, I really want to capture that bit, but we're never going to be able to use it because of that song. Like you can't you can't expect to make this bit stronger with that as the backbone and then eventually want to use it on anything because you'll never get permission for that song. Yeah. And so then finally it was like, just tonight, do it. No song. And I was like, there's no way. That's the bit, the whole bit. And yeah. he's like, so I was like, and then the lighting cues out. So I basically went back and just said, can't, because I send a thing every show. Here's the order. Because I don't like talking, like surprising them and going over the whole show or whatever. Yeah. And I did it and it worked just as good. And it really? was crazy because that audience didn't know that I'd been doing that anywhere else, you know, or yeah. whatever. But it just worked. And that's yeah, the audience finding, doesn't know yeah, in other places. But you know, and mm-hmm. you're like, well... Yeah. Yeah. Now, and I just did it. I sold it the same way, same passion that I was doing it with the music, and it worked the exact same way. But also the guitar. That was my whole thing, too. Ooh, New York. That can't be good. No. No, leave that. Pass on that call. <laughs> the, uh... But the... yeah, with the guitar. Now, after a show, if I don't play guitar for a whole show, people come up to me and they say, What happened uh, with the guitar? Didn't I didn't take my show off for a Sunday show in, uh, in wherever the fuck whenever i did a week somewhere it was not columbus but i didn't take my shirt off for the sunday show because i was like i didn't feel like drinking i'm gonna fucking go home and get a good night's sleep i have an early flight i'm really tired didn't take my shirt off and someone's like dude what's up with the fucking shirt and i was like what and he's like mm-hmm. i mean it's like your thing i mean like and and i i didn't know what to do i was like well fuck I, it's like i didn't tell the machine story i don't know if you've ever heard my machine story. yeah i didn't tell the machine story one time in the last three fucking years one time and that time, Dave Stroop came out and he's like, I got some angry customers. 
And I was like, what? He's like, I'm just giving you a heads up. There's about 13 people upset. They drove in from fucking West Virginia and they want to hear this fucking machine story. I was like, all right. I said, tell them to come out to the bar. So we went out to the bar and I told the story out there and they were like, all right, we're good. Thank you. I appreciate it. So it's, it's interesting. That's crazy. It's well, no, it's, I mean, yeah. it's great, but it's, it's great. You're no, you're totally right. It is crazy, but it's in a weird way. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. That's a funny thing too. Like that. And that's the difference between sometimes certain comedy clubs or managers where like a manager would be like, well, you saw the show you saw. Yeah. So well, strips like that. He's like giving me the heads up, Yeah, giving you the heads up and you want to please your customers in yeah. a way, you know? He's like, and they're going to be upset. I'll take that the other way where it makes me angry. And it's like, well, then tell them to stop fucking coming to see me because I'm going to come out here and do what I want to do. Oh, see, I'm broken. That's why they like me. I'm broken. I, th- I, I hope. I, I'm broken in, the, in that I need the acceptance. Well, no, then I'll like go to me. my hotel that night and be like, why am I an asshole? Why don't I just <laughs> give them what they wanted? Yeah, you know? And then I'll go exactly. back and it's like, oh, it's my pride. Yeah. I couldn't humble myself to just be like, yeah, these people like me for this thing and give it to them. Why not? Yeah. I, f- I feel like I feel like. I, now I just like I I have no intention in telling the story, but if at some point someone says the machine, I go mm-hmm. all right, I'll tell it. And as soon as I say that, every time the fucking crowd goes crazy, and I go all right, okay, I get it. And I was like, hey, listen, I like making money, and if you guys like hearing that story, and that's our trade, mm-hmm. as long as you let me do whatever the fuck I want to do for the other forty five minutes of this show, I, and and you have a good time, and you hope I hope that something resonates in that part, mm-hmm. uh, that it's great. But then you know, I don't know, I. I how how long is that bit on the road? Fifteen minutes. So it's a fifteen mm-hmm. twelve minute to fifteen minute story. Yeah, and it's and like trust and me. And I've I, got those now too. Fifteen twenty minute stories where I did one of them on the Tonight Show in five, and then I came and and it, that was hard. That's really fucking hard. Yeah, that's but really hard. Here's what you realize as you start cutting babies, killing babies that you love, like in you know the bit. It's like oh yeah, I don't. I mean that's great on the road to give people the full story, but to yeah. make it right for TV or make it right for whatever, it's like. And I'm struggling with that with this next album because my last album they wanted me to cut. I have a 12 minute story at the end. That's a fake false thing of me saving these firefighters' lives <laughs> <laughs> in a fire. And 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 I just don't want to hear that. <laughs> Comedy Central was like. You can't put a 12-minute track out. Like, it needs to be good for radio, and you got to do this, and we got to get... And I was like, well, that... Everything else we can chop into small segments, but that has to stay there. And this is nothing. I'm not, like, talking shit about Comedy Central. It makes sense for the radio. Yeah. There needs to be these tracks. But for my next special, it's going to be broken into four sections, and I'm not going to break them. Oh, yeah. And maybe Comedy Central won't want to I gotta, I, do gonna, that, but i got to figure that out. I'm at a place where I feel like I don't... I, like, I don't, I don't want to do another hour special on tape and i understand if i'm going to record one i might as well put a camera up and videotape it mm-hmm. but or tape it but, but you just want to do audio i just i like the audio i like the albums like mm-hmm. i like i like albums yeah i, I loved albums I you wanted- can make that both though you can i mean might as well you know that that's kind of my but that's people also do get a little disappointed where my last hour special is my like vinyl yeah and the one that so what they saw on netflix is what they can hear on the vinyl like, aren't they supposed to be different? Your album and your special, and it's like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. I hope not. I want to do. I want to do an hour special at the DC Improv, and what I want to do, what I want to do, is I want to cut just the way we like. We, I'd say we. I, there, I'm sure there's a period that this doesn't happen, but like when Dave's when David Tell once again, I don't know if David Tell did this, but this is what I'm assuming is how it was done in the day mm-hmm. when David Tell did skanks for the memories he did a weekend in fucking denver 
and mm-hmm. he did his act six different times, mm-hmm. and he took the best edits of those six bits and put them in one hour special. Yeah, whatever the timing was, that it was perfect. I did that in Houston with my first special. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, and so I want to do that in DC. I want to film six shows. Mm-hmm. I want to film six shows. I'll be shirtless. Continuity will be the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can't tell it's a different. All I, all you see on me is jeans and boots. Yeah. So like, and I want to do it in DC. I love the DC Improv. It's my favorite fucking club in the one of my favorite clubs in the country. Here's what I found with that. So my first one, my first one in Denver actually was five shows that they taped, and I did seven shows that weekend or something, and that was just audio, you know, and there's no video. Yeah. And um, the second time I did it, my last special was just two shows in one night. And in that in the Denver five shows, which I don't know if you found in Houston, but I there was one show that stood out as this is the show. Yeah. And then there were a couple small beats from other shows. I was like, well, this stroke was stronger in that one show or this transition or whatever. Yeah. And but it mostly was one show. You know, really in the end, and my my Netflix special is mostly one show with a couple, and it drives me nuts because my hair, I have like my hair up, and then in one of them, my hair is like got one little chunk that going down for yeah. half of it. And then I go like that and fix it, but if you can see in the first like fifteen minutes how there's like a couple spots where whoop, boom. <laughs> oh, so interesting. I find um, at one my big thing is if I, I wear gray undershirts, I'll sweat the gray different colors. <laughs> sweat continuity. That's why I'm tough. getting rid of fucking shirts halfway. So you sweat on stage a lot. Yeah, I would say. See, I start. I when I started, I sweat like through shirts. Hair is sopping wet. Really? Down my face, dripping off my chin. And then two years in, I just didn't sweat anymore. Oh, yeah, but I have a lot of like. Well, it's For me, it's always the opening fucking bit. Mm-hmm. It's the opening bit has so much energy. Oh, yeah. Or, I'm, or, or whatever I'm saying, sometimes I'll get off in a spin. Like I'll get into a, like a little spin out where, where it works. And. But I will find myself giving so much energy to it that it'll get my temperature up. And then all of a sudden, I'll just be like, okay, I'm sweating. And I can feel it happening. But I'm like, oh, no one notices it yet. And then then, all of a sudden, someone noticed. And then I'm in my head talking about sweating. There are so many moments where you're you're telling your thing through a microphone and you're in your head thinking about, it's not going good. (laughs) <laughs> this isn't this isn't I've seen this go better and that girl and you're thinking about and I can see that person's face lit up because they're fucking texting right now or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And then you get angry. I don't know. Yeah, that's and that's when my shows go haywire is these second thoughts. Oh, uh, yeah, I might I might I get definitely get uh I definitely can I I definitely have a lot of conversations in my head. Sometimes I'll tell myself jokes that they won't want to hear. Yeah. And I will start fucking cracking up. Oh god. Everyone's like, "Say it." And I'm like, "No." I always say, I know you better than you know yourself. Like When it comes to comedy, you may know what you want for dinner, but when it comes to humor, I know what you want. I know what you want more than you do. I actually remember the first time I saw you, which I'm sure way before you ever knew who I was, was at the Improv, and it was, I think, like Henry Phillips or somebody was doing a show, and it went Zach Galifianakis. No, it went you, then Zach Galifianakis. And I think I came to see Zach Galifianakis because I had just seen his Killborn. He yeah. was on Killborn or whatever. That's a long time ago. <laughs> it's a very long time ago <laughs> and you went up and i was like holy shit because you know zach was like no you went up before zach and you put out so much energy and i remember just looking at zach thinking nothing could like you were crushing yeah and nothing could bother him and he was sitting there like nervous to follow what you were doing because you oh were doing God. so much i love hearing that story i've never yeah. thought i've thought i've always thought guys like zach and mitch 
and and yourself and Owen and like guys who own the stage, who own mm-hmm. the moment. I always think you guys like don't honestly couldn't be less interested in what anyone's doing before you because you think well the second i get there it's me they're going to be seeing me and it changes it i've always been like that myself. if there's a road hack opening i here's my thing is if it's a, a feature act that lives in fucking west you know whatever beach west virginia beach yeah and he's crushing then i'm sitting back there like oh this isn't gonna first of all i shouldn't be in west fucking virginia west beach whatever the virginia beach yeah like you know i had the worst weekend there in my life virginia beach yeah uh the, <laughs> the funny bone yeah the yeah week, i'm trying to think the week I've, before me was carlos mencia the week after me was going to be earthquake and then somehow just nick thunes in the middle of that like these people will care and there's six bouncers that work every show which most of the places i play have one door guy yeah <laughs> no one's concerned about you know anything and yeah i was getting like Actually, a guy stood up. I'll never. This is the one moment where you're like, you you've done two shows and it's going horribly. And the opener actually told me like, "Hey, I heard the bouncers saying how they don't like you and they're not stopping your hecklers. Like they don't get what you're doing. No one got what I was doing there. And so <laughs> the bouncers don't like no. you and they're not stopping your hecklers. No. And the head bouncer's name was House. That was his name. <laughs> this huge dude, the head bouncer. Yeah. And so 10 minutes into a set, this guy, I'm already mentally, emotionally breaking down, trying to just give him a good show. Yeah. And the guy stands up in the fucking fourth, fifth row and goes, I've heard enough, and turns to walk out. And I was just like, sir, I want to do good. Please. <laughs> anything. Why? why? Why have you had enough? What have I done? And he then says a sentence. And it's one of those moments where this guy's obviously wasted and says a, these words that usually line up to equal meaning yeah. as a sentence. But he said words that never had met each other next to each other. Like, there was no meaning out of this sentence. And the audience was just stifled. Like, whatever he just said was like, everyone's trying to think, what the fuck did that mean? And then some girl in the front row goes, hey, nice talking to the guy. The crowd erupted. Like, this girl, this is fucking, she should be the headliner. And the guy is now embarrassed. Everyone's laughing at him. He's standing up in the middle of the show. And he looks at her and he goes, are you fucking serious? And then her boyfriend stands up and goes... Yeah, she's fucking serious. And then House comes over and takes the guy standing up out, starts to carry him out. The crowd's going nuts. And as they're getting towards the back door, and I'm on stage like, what is happening? A guy in the back goes, fuck him. And the guy getting pulled out by House with his arms like pulled back like that goes, yeah, fuck him, thinking he's talking about me. And the guy goes, no, no, no. Fuck you. <laughs> Boom. And punches him in the like, – like this guy in house had put together this scenario. And the guy hits the ground and they still pull that guy out. The guy that punched him is cool. The crowd's having a party. Yeah. And I'm just on stage like, thank you guys so much. <laughs> Let's bring the middle act back out yeah. who uh, just crushed with the hackiest, you know. Sir, what's so funny is that – and I, I, not to stereotype people, but I've, done, I've definitely done Virginia Beach. And it's not the kind of person – there aren't – like those – Sometimes you will get crowds that there is not your type of person where you would say to someone, yeah. I'm trying really hard. Like, what do you like that vulnerability? Uh, they, and they didn't even like that. That, that showed weakness, which it was weak, but it yeah. was also like, I'm just a guy. I don't, uh, I mean, but it's like military bases and, uh, you know, that just wasn't it's the, birth the right of, club it's for It's the me. birthplace of slavery, I think. Yeah. Or not, yeah, yeah. No, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, no, it's a birth. I'm sorry. I'm incorrect, maybe. I, I don't know if I'm right, but it's a birthplace of America. That's where all the ships were coming in. Well, now it's the uh, the death of Nick Thune, <laughs> the birthplace of. It but was, all that to say that I'm nervous following that guy, who's probably 
you know, just he lives there and he's going to crush. And it, it's, and it's all, at a comedy it's all club. inside references that that yeah. are killing because and it's hacky. And yeah, so I that makes me nervous. But following um, somebody that I admire or if all of a sudden they're like, hey, Chris Rock's going to come in, which I've done this before. And they're like, he's going to do 15 minutes. It's like, good. Yeah. Let him, let him blow their mind and have them do a place of like they're not expecting anything out of me. Yeah. And then I'll have a great set, you know? Yeah. I think that I've definitely followed guys where you're just like, like, what the fuck? Like, you just sit there and you're like, why? What do they not see through this magic act? Mm-hmm. It's just fucking smoke and mirrors. He's talking about your baseball team. Yeah. Like, no one else is going to talk about your baseball team. No. And I don't even think you guys even really pay attention to your baseball team. But the fact that it's yours and you're I, like, I've, I've lost my mind, but I, I don't. I don't know. I, I've only there's only one person, and I say, and I'm, I'm, there's a lot of people I've been nervous to follow. There's only one person that I ever watched, and halfway through his set, I went, oh, I, I actually cannot follow him at all, at all. And his name is, um, I, I'm gonna fuck his name up, but you know the guy, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Charles Nelson Riley, Eric Nelson Charles. Oh, Eric, yeah, Eric Charles Nielsen. Eric Charles Nielsen. I followed him one time at the Improv, and I literally just went on stage and I was like. I was like, I talked about him the whole time. I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, that was fucking amazing. Did he do good? He destroyed. Okay. He destroyed. I've this- seen him go. I mean, I, I think he's brilliant too, but I've seen him go both ways where the audience is oh, like, I wish he had gone the other way. Who is this guy screaming at us? Yeah. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> he's, he murdered. And that's what happens with bits like that, where you're in a thing, you're in a character, which that's yeah. why I'm moving into it's- the story thing. Cause I don't like to hold up this. I like to, I like to be into the moment of me. I remember when I first started, there were a bunch of guys, and someone said, "Someone said, so who are you going to be like?" I remember, I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, I guess I can say it, but Dimitri Martin was like, "Who are you going to be like?" Like you got to mm-hmm. pick a guy, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, you know, he was really into Hedberg, and he'd re- recite Hedberg jokes back to me, and like, and he was into Hedberg, and I, and in my head, I was like, he's like, you know, you, you. You can be like Attell. You can be like like Godfrey, like all these different guys. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, honestly, why can't I just be me? Because I am a little bit of yeah. these guys, but I'm also me. Do you remember what year this was? Because I think that when somebody says that, that's when they're starting out. And I mean, I had a voice of yeah. probably 20 people when I started that were all my favorites. Oh, yeah. This, then- was, this was Dimitri had done stand-up one time. Yeah. He'd done stand-up one time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, these are now opinions that I'm sure he'd look back and go, I never said that. But I remember the conversation. I remember being on the subway and talking to him Mm -hmm. about it and being like, I remember being like, why can't I be a little bit of like Jordan Rubin and a little bit of Godfrey and a little bit of Attell? But Jordan was like, I remember Jordan just destroying. He had had like some of my favorite jokes and and being like, and a little bit of Jeff Ross and like a little bit of Louis Mm C.K. Like, why can't I just, well, why can't I just be me? But I didn't know who I was, and so I didn't. And I can understand what he was saying is that you had needed to find a style. I mean, I remember distinctly looking at Attell and going, "Oh, that's how you write jokes. It's set up surprise." Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, that joke I told earlier. You know what cops hate when you touch their face? It's a tell. It's an Attell rhythm. Oh yeah, and you and you picked that up. I mean, I had. I mean, I'm sure that masturbation joke I was talking about was like it was in the voice of. Stephen Wright or Mitch, you know, yeah. Mitch Hedberg or whatever, but which were my biggest influences. Well, they were all our biggest influences. I tried to write a ton of jokes like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't look like that. Like, I don't look smart. So, like, I look like a guy who's going to pound a fucking beer and rip his shirt off. <laughs> and so I don't look like a guy who's smart. I remember doing mm-hmm. Lower East Side Clubs, like, surf reality and, and writing surrealist, what I thought was surrealist. They were horrible jokes. I mean, like, fucking, hor- like, I mean, you want to talk about bad, like, 
I, mean, I thought I was writing like Hedberg jokes. That's the thing is you either have that or you don't. And the people that are, you know, when you see kids at open mics that are trying to do it and it's like, you haven't, yeah, you're not there yet, man. Yeah. You, there's, you got to have a big twist there. There's got to be a delivery. You got to be, and you got to be smart. Mm-hmm. You got to almost be fucking dialed into that subconscious. You have to of, surprise these people like with a that. sentence, which is always, so I'm, I'm sick of trying to figure that out. Yeah, I feel like I'm good at analogies. That's it. I have been like I, and we were talking about having kids earlier when, you know, your first reaction. I remember the first joke I wrote about finding out we we're going to have a kid and I didn't do it on stage until later when I found it, the right spot. But it, the, the essential joke is, you know, everybody says when I have a, when they find out they're having a kid, I don't care if it's a boy or a girl. I just, I want a healthy baby. And my first thought was I'd take an unhealthy boy, <laughs> you know? And that was like, Oh yeah, I've still got it a little bit yeah, when it comes I, to writing with this stuff. I'd take but, an unhealthy boy. Yeah. <laughs> I just really want my. I want a son. <laughs> I just. I wanted a son so bad. You have no idea. Yeah. Healthy or not, this is. I was so. I was so bummed out when I found out we were having a girl. I was. Yeah. I remember they like. Do you want to know what you're having? And I was like, I remember they were doing the wand. You know the wand with the condom on it in the. Mm-hmm. In the vagina and I, and well, I have I did a thing on Conan about that whole experience because I had taken a test at a drugstore that said we were having a boy. I brought it home, my wife peed in it, and you know, and they yeah. say they're the joke. I say is they say on the box it's a fifty fifty shot, but <laughs> instead we're having a boy, and I took it at its word. And we go to a doctor, and he does that whole thing, and he says you're having a girl, and I'm like I don't think so. And I see a penis in the thing, I'm like that's a dick. And the doctor looks at my wife and actually says if he thinks that's a penis, I want to know who got you pregnant. <laughs> like just tears me apart yeah and then a month later we go to another doctor and he's like yeah it's a boy and i'm really? like that fucking dick <laughs> that guy made me question my dick knowledge for a month <laughs> and now i find out that's a penis i like to see who got you pregnant yeah oh god my but that's a crazy moment though and when i found out it was a girl it was like yeah all right <laughs> yeah. I, but they told me georgia was a girl What's interesting is that I was very I, – I used to do a bit about this, but I, it, it got overtaken by – I had a bit about get, the, the birth that uh, that overtook anything about the child thing. It was so, it was so much better of a story because it was it's all about – for me, it's all about the interactions you have with characters in the story. Mm-hmm. And the guy who delivered our baby was a Jamaican guy, Dr. Stephen Gray. Stephen Gray or Stephen Gregg. And his character, that, that whole thing was so much funnier. But the when she said – it's all uh it all the only joke i remember out of it it was a story about the fucking wand and mm-hmm. and uh the condom and they put it in and my wife makes a noise i've never heard before just like a fat like a fat kid falling as he eats an ice cream cone like i forget i don't know i don't remember yeah. and then um yeah i have and that's the funny thing is that you think that you're breaking new ground but i yeah. had i mean for me and I have the whole bit about because he did start off on the stomach and then he took it without mentioning anything and put it inside her vagina and we're t- and I and my joke is and we're talking something you know roughly three times the size of my dick and she's not even supposed to know that's possible you know but insurance is covering it enjoy it I'm not a fucking maniac it's better than <laughs> just don't me. get used to it my only, my <laughs> old, my old, my tag for it was uh, I I had a look on my face. And she and the lady said, hmm, like jealous about this wand. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I'd love to have a camera on the end of my dick. <laughs> I go and take a picture like of you that, right yeah. now. But uh, <laughs> there'd be a lot of pictures of me just. <laughs> but um, the, but yeah, it's so interesting when you when you do 
have that. I heard Opie from Opie and Anthony like do a whole bit about the childbirth. Very probably very similar to mine. Mm-hmm. I had to turn it off because I was like, I don't want to hear him do anything. Yeah, yeah. God forbid, you know. I I, I was like, I don't want to know it. But everyone's like, Opie's childbirth bit. He did it on the radio. You got to hear it. And I was like, mm, I already did one on our special. I don't want to know it. Yeah, no, and yeah, they don't want to look back and think, oh, I'm a fucking hack or I'm this or that. Or it's 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 where I got like I was like I was like finally I was like I'm gonna just start talking about these fucking fighting a bear. I I, I have a joke about fighting a bear. I told it on Ari Shavir's, uh, uh This is not yeah happening. yeah no I saw that and I was mm-hmm. like I was like no one's gonna have this fucking bit ever. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to know who else fought a bear? T.J. Wilson, T.J. Wilson, T.J. Miller, T.J. Miller. Oh yeah, fought the exact same fucking bear I did. Oh yeah, as and did, it's for an audition. As, da, as did Rowdy Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. Rowdy Roddy Piper fought a bear, and his bear story arguably is better than mine. <laughs> oh, and he's Rowdy Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's so hard to get something original, and you're like, I don't even know. Like I have this Robin a train and the, the machine, and this girl comes up to me. She goes, uh, Yeah, my name is in the machine. I was like, oh, what the fuck? What, she says, what? She goes, my nickname is The Machine. Oh, God. And I was like, I was like, and then it turns out, and then you start going like, there's movies coming out with The Machine. There's a movie out about the character's name, The Machine, and he's the party guy. And you're like, all right, fuck it. I'm done trying to keep up with my own originality. I'm just going to say whatever the fuck I say. And if yeah. you think I'm a fucking hack, then I'm whatever. Well, also, you could go in timelines and be like this and that, but it's all been done. I mean, everything, yeah. every angle, every idea has been run through some filter that, you know, I mean, it's just like Instagram. Everyone's going to take the same picture. They're just going to choose a different filter. <laughs> That's, That's the worst. Analogy. And I farted as I was saying that, actually. <laughs> so people go back and look at that. You don't seem like a guy that farts and smells it. Like, you, like. Oh, I f- yeah, I'm a big farter. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Point of contention at home, yeah. Wait, let's do a game. I'll go back and forth. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you, say one thing about you that you don't think people know. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say one thing about me that I don't think people know. I gotta think. I gotta think because I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm. Well, something came out recently with friends that I thought was funny, where we were talking about our dicks or something, and or just dicks in general. Yeah. And I was talking about like getting my son circumcised, where I like I didn't really want to get him circumcised. Um, I just wanted him to have the dick that he has, and my wife really wanted, and now she looks back and she goes, "I wish we didn't." But, and I go, and I didn't want to do it because I was circumcised, and my friend goes, "What? You're circumcised?" And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, my God. I've, and I've known the guy for 10 years. He goes, I always just kind of thought you were uncircumcised. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, what? Really? <laughs> yeah. And then I got disappointed. Like, oh, he probably thought that was like a cool thing about me. Yeah. And <laughs> now I'm like a new guy to him. Oh, if you were, circum- if you were uncircumcised in our fraternity, it got called out, <laughs> Mike Angelitis, and you were called Sockcock for the rest of your fucking life. <laughs> like, there was like, <laughs> there, it, it, we, like, Mike Angelitis is the only guy I've ever known that is uncircumcised. Really? I ever. know a lot of guys. I don't, I've as far as I mean. I've maybe, only seen, maybe I'm just thinking. <laughs> I'm, I'm, really? You don't work at a crunch? <laughs> I've ne- I've very seldom. I've only seen uncircumcised guys in porn up close. Really? Yeah. I never even in Barry's boot camp or not Barry's boot camp crunch where I did work out all the time and always got in the sh- steam room naked. Mm-hmm. Never saw dudes uncircumcised. Really? And never. Mm. Well, they were always hard. You're not so. looking hard enough. <laughs> yeah, when they're hard, it's hard to tell. Yeah, I always wondered if my wife has ever been with someone that's been uncircumcised. Oh yeah. I asked her when, like, we've been married for a little while ago. Have you ever been with a black guy? She was like, what? And I was like, never mind. Don't answer. I don't want to know. 
She's like, would it matter? And I go, I don't know. If, I don't. It only doesn't matter if the answer is no. Yeah, and then, but now you're wondering, what was she about to say? Yeah, and but mm-hmm. and then she's like, are you serious? And I was like, oh my god. I was like, this is something I probably should not give a fuck about. But it's all about dick size. Mm-hmm. It's all. It's it has nothing to do with the color of the dude. It's just that I think black dudes have big dicks, and I'd hate to and be are the, better at fucking. And, yeah, and I'd hate to be the smallest dick my wife's been with. Mm-hmm. Like I'd like to be somewhere in there. Dude, she chose it. She top, chose your dick too. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But there's guys I know guys that have small dicks that are married, like real small dicks. Oh, like how small? Like, like, like if you saw it in a shower, you'd be like, "Wait, I don't see it." Oh, like, like I, in? Yeah. Oh God. Then I remember, I, and you just were like, oh, what, "Like the fuck?" And like, and word would get out. Dudes would just—he's got the smallest dick you've ever fucking seen. Like, not even like the kind of you joke about. Like the kind oh, of like, that's so sad. Like Howard Stern says he has a small dick, but you go, it's not that bad, probably. I'm sure, yeah. But if it was really small, he probably wouldn't mention it. Yeah, because that's when an internal. Yeah, I wish I had like a. I wish I had like a, a blood dick, like a blood cock. It's the ones that look big when they're soft. Oh yeah, I've got the opposite. I've got mm-hmm. the grower, not the shower. Mm-hmm. What are you? I think I'm right in the middle. You know, it just depends on if I'm cold. Yeah, I'm not a shower. <laughs> that thing will suck right in, but. <laughs> But I, I, I've always wanted to be like the guy that could be out in the snow, you know, pantless and just look like he has a big dick. <laughs> Ari's got a pretty big dick. Oh, well, he's yeah. And he likes to show it off. I've seen <laughs> yeah, it. he's taking mm-hmm. it out on stage a bunch. But, you know, like penis size for me, I remember I was going I, my parents were part of like this workout gym when I was young. And so I'd see dicks all the time. And like the Sonics started working out because, uh, you know, up in Seattle, like they started doing summer workouts or whatever off season workouts at this club. So like I'd see Sean Kemp's dick. In the locker room, like, and that's like, that's not a realistic dick to look at um, and think like, what's wrong? You know what I mean? Like, why don't I have a Sean Kemp dick here? You saw Sean <laughs> Kemp's dick? Yeah. I'd pay money to see Sean And I, I actually have that in that whole thing about like, when the doctor says, I don't know what dicks look like. <laughs> I start telling my friends a story in the bit, and I'm just like, and at one point I'm screaming out, "I've seen Sean Kemp's dick!" And it's <laughs> it happened in a public restroom, and only one of us knows about it. <laughs> but why wouldn't you look if Sean Kemp was naked anywhere by you? I remember, I remember the day, I remember distinctly the day I realized that not all dicks were the same. Oh. Like freshman year, Jesuit high school, we all went. They mm-hmm. made a shower, and I remember not thinking anything about it. But I'd never showered with boys before, and I was in ninth grade. And then just a I, lot of girl showers. Yeah, no. In, in, when went to, I went to school called Berkeley Prep. It was like predominantly Jewish, not really, but it was a lot of Jewish kids. Mm-hmm. And people would shower uh, in bathing suits. And I was like, oh, that's, oh, interesting. I remember, mm-hmm. I distinctly remember people showering in bathing suits. And I was like, oh, that's how you shower. So I would bring a bathing suit after football practice if I wanted to shower, and I put on a bathing suit, and everyone showered in bathing suits. No one showered naked. And so I went, that's interesting. That makes sense. So then we go to Berkeley or to Jesuit and it's an all boys Catholic high school, predominantly Cuban. And I mean, dudes are walking around the locker room naked, like walking around naked. And I remember seeing guys with a lot of pubic hair and big dicks. And I was intimidated. Yeah. I thought I started, I had to shower in seventh grade. They made us start to shower naked uh, in junior high. And I remember seeing, and I didn't hit puberty until probably ninth grade. So I had two years of feeling like I had a small dick. Like this is what I have forever. And then in ninth grade, I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, my God. I can't the even. fucking buzzer. <laughs> this was going to be. fucking buzzer. This was going to be a long was, four years. Yeah, it was going to be bad. You know, people were going to start talking. And... 
yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, that first time I, that first time, and I'm not super proud of this, but that first time I took a shower in that boys locker room, that first day I tried to work up a chub just so just to give a little blood. Into I it. can't bring this in there. Mm-hmm. This is not like those guys had cocks. Mm-hmm. I had something you could show to a nurse. Now, are you the kind of guy that can come before he goes on stage? Or do you like to hold your come in and kind of use that energy? <laughs> no, I, I can definitely jerk off before I go on stage. Yeah, but you don't feel like that affects you at all. Like, because nah. some people are so against, you know, like, it's like why some musicians go celibate or whatever, like, because they want to keep that in them for their performance or for whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I've never, I've never really had that kind of self control where I was like, like, if I feel like jerking off, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's no like, there's no like, well, maybe I'll hold on to it because then I start going, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, that no, for? I mean, I don't want to hold on. I yeah. got to get this out of me. I need to, yeah, I need to exercise. <laughs> it's like having diarrhea inside you, where it's like, I'm going to be a lot better if this isn't brewing in my stomach. Exactly. Yeah, I've never really thought about it that way. I did go to first periods of time where I, f- I felt like porn was making me depressed. Yeah, it was like just creeping into me in a very unhealthy way. I think that's a huge issue um porn just in general and not you know everyone knows about expectations and stuff but it just takes your sex drive down i think the more you watch porn the more you're like less sexual and then that's where the depression creeps in like why am i not like some sec you know yeah anytime that i've felt like all right i need to step back and in fact for a year no porn you did a year i'm no i'm still in it really and i love it it's just way better and you don't like you never worry about like when am i gonna you know like when am I going to watch porn next? Because it started to become that. Like when you're on the road, especially, and you're just in a hotel room in a city, and it's like, what are we doing here? I guess we're just going to jerk off a couple times today. <laughs> I, uh, not to point out Columbus, but I got into a place in Columbus where I just was like, <laughs> I was to call out Columbus and my jerking off there. But <laughs> I mean, I feel bad everyone going to the Marriott, but the, 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 I was in a the place. The walls where was, were covered. <laughs> I was. I mean, this is very. Ohio specific, mm-hmm. but I knew I was in a funk. Like, so I'd been on the road for three weeks, and then I set out a full week, and I did a gig in West in West Virginia, like at a theater, and then I had to drive to Columbus, and I still had to do a full weekend in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And I was by the time I was in West Virginia, I was in a little bit of a hole emotionally and spiritually, and I just was like, I need to get the fuck out of this, and I know that the only way I can do that is with jerk with, my way out. I need to jerk my way out of this. <laughs> And I stopped at the Lions Den and was like, I'm gonna find some brand new thing. I never like I'm gonna explore. Like there, I, there's this thing I saw online. It looks like a manta ray hugging your or a stingray hugging your dick. I was like, I'm gonna get one of these. Couldn't find it. Of course, the Lions Den have the fucking top of the line material. And then all I could think is, and then there are couples in there, and I feel What's like the Lions Den. It's the name of this. It's this porn. Oh. It's just. It's basically this like adult. I don't know why they still call it bookstore, but it was an old bookstore. No, you like like you wanted to buy like one of those fuck machines or something. I wanted to buy something. I wanted to mm-hmm. just I was like, I gotta take my game to the next level for this weekend mm-hmm. to get through this. Mm-hmm. And but but and then I just I got too panicked and bought a bunch of shit I didn't like like bought a bunch of shit like I because there were couples in there and they were staring at me. Vibrating and then ring. In my head I'm like, does anyone recognize me from TV? Like this is mm-hmm. really bad. And so um and the woman made me uncomfortable. So and then I go back to Columbus and I just was watching porn, just like googling it and googling it and googling it and like, and I just it was like I was discon- I was just disconnected to life. Yeah, I was just like click, and I was like I just take a nap and then I'd wake up and I'd just be like porn and then click porn and I was like what the fuck am I doing and then I then I, luckily I started watching uh, Sway the uh, hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a show on XM. Mm-hmm. He's a really great interviewer. 
Oh, so just, yeah, getting, so, but that's the thing is porn. It's like a drug. It's just an easy way to stop thinking about anything. And yeah, just it's, my, it's my, the same thing with Facebook though. I definitely go on Facebook yesterday. I got really depressed because I saw the Suge Knight hit and run video. I saw that. <sighs> yeah. I mean, everyone's like, Suge's like, I'm glad that exonerates me. I'm like, huh? He said that. Yeah. He goes that now everyone can see that I was just trying to get away. I was like, no, dude, you like perp, you purposely he, drove he over. He ran like I didn't know. Like in, in the hit and run, I thought I couldn't. I was like, "How bad can this be?" It's like, yeah, like they couldn't have used that in Meet Joe Black. Like they couldn't have used that fucking footage. No, they needed to show him. Ring, ring. That's what I thought it would be. But uh, and then the one before that was like, I love the Meet Joe Black reference, by the way. But that was one of those movies times in a moment where I went, "What the fuck!" Like, <laughs> uh, and then I saw this one. The video right before this was like. This uh, a friend of mine who's who's black posted it, and he was like, "Tell me if, tell me if this is a good dad or a bad dad." I know a lot of you say this is a bad dad, but this is a good dad. And I was like, I was like, "Oh, it's a parenting video," and I click it, and it's a dad who's got like a forty in his hand, and he's his son got into a fight with this other street, this other kid, and he was making them fight in front of him. But anytime the other kid would win, he'd separate them. He go, "No, no, we're having none of that," and it made it broke my heart. Like it really made my heart sick yeah and i went oh my god man this poor kid and this kid was getting the fuck beaten out of him but his dad wouldn't let him stop and i just was like and then i saw suge knight and i was like i'm fucking done no it's like watching news it's like you get we you you live in los angeles and have a cool family with a cool room and like the fact that you you know like you could just be hanging out right now doing any and this is what i go through my mind and, but I'm choosing to sit here and watch this stuff that makes me depressed. It's like, I need to get off all yeah. of it. And I try, and now I'm trying to control my internet hours. It's it, like Facebook, how many times I check my phone. That, that was my thing this year. It's like, all right, porn, we're in a good spot. Now I've got to control like checking Twitter and Facebook. And because, you know, like I'll, we'll put our kid to bed and we're both exhausted. And I'll like take a, like a, a room view of what we're doing. And my wife and I are sitting on the opposite end of the couch just scrolling through our phone. And it's like, wait a second. Yeah. Let's like have a bottle of wine and just hang out in the deck. Yeah. Look at the view. Yeah. Or or mm-hmm. just I, I it's like we're going to Costa Rica tomorrow, my wife and I, and I'm like I'm like, I want to just not bring my fucking phone at all. Oh, she's gonna go there with you? Yeah, she's going to Costa Rica with me. Oh great. And so and we're gonna get to hang out and but then my wife's like, I wanna go zip lining, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. And that's all the stuff I do for work. So part of me is like, I just wanna sit by the pool mm-hmm. and just talk. I haven't mm-hmm. talked to you in fucking months, I feel like. So you're going there for vacation. I go for Costa Rica. It's a gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, yeah, it's a gig. Mm-hmm. I have to do one day of work. But I just have to basically host, uh, host a banquet. Oh, okay. And uh, it's not that bad. And then, um, and then I go, and then I'm on, then I start the shoot. But, so wait, what, like, what's your, um, so where's, where, where are your focuses, like, right now in life? Like, professionally, like, where, are you just mm-hmm. focusing on stand-up? No, I'm developing stuff too, but yeah. right now I like pilot season just kind of went through and this is the first year that I've just did not try and write a show, develop with a networker. I didn't even audition for pilot. I just was just said I I'm I'm just interested in making my own thing and I want to do it in a way that's not I want to do like cable thing, not yeah, not a network thing because it just seems very difficult in the loops and I've done it like 6 times where it's like exhausting, you know, just the whole process. You've been through it. Yeah. But my my next special is the most real thing I've ever done. So that's I'm planning on taping that in November, and I've just got like some touring between now and then. How often are you on the road? I, d- I mean, 
I just did a two week thing, but I never do two weeks like that. But I yeah. just I'm doing rock clubs now. Really? Um, and then in September and October, I'm going to do six clubs just to do like five shows back to back. You know, blah blah. But the rock club thing is my favorite new thing because uh, I go to a rock club. It might not be huge. I'm not like playing. You know, but everyone there is there to see me. It's no like accidental comedy fans that are just like, oh, let's go to a comedy club tonight and. And they might not be into what I'm doing. So it's yeah. like everybody there is into what I'm doing for sure. And I've got a good opener and it's just a different vibe. And so that's changed my stand-up too in a way of like stop trying. I'm not like bombing every now and again, which maybe is good for you. Still not all shows go great, but you know. It's not good for you, but I, I might, I, I'll tell you where I'm stuck out with the clubs. And I, be, and I'm, I believe in the clubs in that mm-hmm. – I do think that we get, and I, I'll, I'll get you get the breakdown of the numbers yeah. for the weekend. And I think I'm getting fifty percent of people that have seen me before, and then fifty percent who've never seen me. Mm-hmm. So then I kind of feel like the fifty percent who've seen me are enjoying it so much that those other fifty percent have to be involved. Yeah. They have to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to build a fan base that way. However. Because like I do this thing called I do this call and sick to work tour where I go in I drink on radio at like eight a.m. till ten and then I go right to the club at eleven and do a show mm-hmm. at eleven and everyone calls in sick to work and the club opens at eleven and everyone's eleven a.m. and everyone's fucking hammered. Really? Yeah, it's it's fun as shit, mm-hmm. but it's just my fans. Then what do you? How do you even follow the rest of your day after that? I get on a plane and fly home. Wasted. Yeah. Oh yeah, I fly oh wasted God. all the time. Oh, I, I I had to stop. You don't drink on planes? No, I'll, I'll have a drink on a plane, but like I used to like drink at the airport and then get on the plane. Me too. I would sometimes like, I don't know, I got to a couple scary places on planes where it's like I don't feel good and I'm nervous and I start sweating. I'm like I'm kind of drunk and just anxiety. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the booze cuts the anxiety out for me. Mm-hmm. So like I, like I did D.C. D.C. was probably the – I'd say D.C. is the first one I ever did. I call in to Elliot. Who has the biggest morning show? Mm-hmm. Probably, arguably, anywhere. I, his show is so fucking still, like ingrained in DC mm-hmm. that like I, I, there's very few places. Tampa's like that. Philly's like that. Preston, Steve, and and like but Bob and Tom, Bob and Tom are like that, I guess, in certain markets. But mm-hmm. like you do, Elliot. I, I called in to say I was doing it, and the show sold out in 20 minutes. And so wow. I was like, fuck. So I go and do Elliot, and then. I get fucking hammered on radio, go in, do the show, drink continuously on stage, and then I got into a fucking car like a, an hour later, and I was on a plane, like, I, and I was home, and I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest fucking gig I've ever done. I took the red eye into D.C. Do the, I was only in D.C. I didn't even get a hotel room. I was only in D.C. for like five Oh my God, you just flew back that. Five wow. hours. I was in D.C. for five fucking hours. And you liked that. I loved it. I loved so it. So were you drinking? Did you sleep on the red eye, or were you drinking on the red Drank eye? Drank on the red eye, passed out. Woke up, uh, you know, like you would on any red eye, tired and hungover. Mm. But I rolled right into Elliot, started drinking. <laughs> oh, God. Talk about a day. See, then how many days do you need to recover after that, though? Because that's something for me. Like, I just did a thing this weekend where a festival in Michigan where everybody was drinking. And What was the festival? Gilda's uh, Laugh Fest. Uh, Laugh Fest. Was Billy Gardell there? Yeah. Yep, I was in. I was. It was in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. I was in Grand Rapids the week before, oh. and I saw posters all around for it. God, I love Billy. Yeah, Billy's the greatest. He came to watch my show actually because I started opening for him. That my first five feature gigs were him. Really? Yeah, he's great. He's, he's amazing. He's, he's just best. such a just a great guy. And I, he taught me stuff on those shows that I still teach openers and 
utilize. He's old school. Mm-hmm. I used to have to follow Billy mm-hmm. when we did the Jameson tour because he was like, he's like, hey man, you want to go? You want to take your fucking shirt off? You want to go do that Yosemite Sam shit? Fine. I don't want to follow it. He's mm-hmm. like, so I'll go first. I'll go before you. You go last. And I, there were times where he, I, the crowd was spinning wildly out of control, and I had no idea how to fucking follow it. Yeah, he's so fucking strong. I'm glad to know that other people do that because this last weekend with Brody Stevens, him and I were co-headlining the shows, and I was like. Listen, man, the drumming, like just your energy, it's so big that I, how do you go back to just a Regular guy? stand up. Yeah. 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 Well, Brody's so um, frenetic. Yeah. Is that the right? Like, I mean, you just, and, it, and, and, and when he is doing, when he's doing well, not just with us loving him, mm-hmm. but when he's doing well with the crowd and he's connected with the crowd, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen Brody since he's kind of exploded. Yeah. I saw him one time at UCB and he, the crowd was with him and he was on it mm-hmm. and he was firing so fucking hot that I went, oh, there's no following this. Yeah. Like, there is no... Fo- but there's been times where you've seen Brody where you're like, you're like, okay, I can definitely go up after this. Yeah, no, and he was doing great, though. So that's the thing is that, you know, def- I, was, I made the right choice. Yeah, I was... <laughs> and I, I never spoke with him about it. I told just the venue. I was like, listen, we got to make sure that he's doing this. I, 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 will, I will definitely... I've said to Ralphie before, I was like, I can't... I'm not going after you. I oh, can't yeah. do it because... Ralphie can do one of two things, and both are extremely overwhelming. He can either go long, mm-hmm. but he just then where he just does an hour and a half of amazing comedy, or he can do which is which even is worse is he goes tight and he just does an actual set, yeah. And it and and it's just bam, power, bam, 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 make a bottle, bam, and you're just like sitting there like motherfucker. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing I can do after this. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's been so well crafted and so tight. And it's and it just is, ha- and he hasn't moved, so it's not really high energy, but it is high energy that mm-hmm. you don't know how to follow it. And I was just like, I told him every time I was like, I got to go before you. I, had a, I that was Dane Cook for me in the sense that the Laugh Factory at one point in my beginning, Jamie just said you can go at the end of every show, like the late show you can do the end, and so I would just show up, and I would get seven to ten minutes, you know, and I wasn't even the, the spot where I was getting booked on the shows there. I was just taking the spot. Yeah, and Dane would come in. Oh unannounced and like close the show and do two hours yeah and everyone there was so like they expected him to come and it was never but he was always there and and then i would have to follow that and i remember getting really frustrated like why just why are you doing that like what you know and then finally one day he told me he's like you know that i used to he goes i used to to follow chris rock at like the cellar and um and it was hard, but it made me who I am. And I just remember thinking, like, okay, good, yeah. And it eventually, did help me that he was doing that. Yeah, I used to, I used to tour, I used to tour with Jay Moore, and there was a period of time where he would do an hour. He would have Tom Segura, a host, do like five minutes, and then he would do an hour, and then he would bring me up, and I would do the check spot. So I would not only follow a guy who's a national headliner and very famous and very talented. But then I would go last and have to close the show. That's insane. Yeah, and but it made me a really great comic. That's crazy. Yeah, like there the was headliner to do that. Yeah, and so I, I, it was I would, I got to a place where I was very comfortable doing it, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, and then I only did that. I only did that for a little. How while. How much time would you do? Thirty minutes. Wow. Yeah, and but it's during a check spot too. I mean, is that just based on his fear of like not being able to close a show? No, or? I don't think he wanted to deal with the check spot. I mean, I know he didn't he want to deal with check spot, but there were times where he was feeling it, and I would be there, and he just wouldn't bring me on at all. And oh my and, god! And <laughs> so a whole show would happen, you wouldn't even do a set. Yeah, yeah. And so, and Tom would be, Tom and I would be in the back, and Tom's like, "I don't think you're going on tonight." 
And so he just would, he just. Oh, I would go insane. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, I, I mean, I died. I it was towards the end of me touring with him, mm-hmm. uh, it was towards the end of it. And, you know, I don't know. It made me a stronger comic. Yeah. At the same time, I was doing the Jameson tour, and so I was following Billy. So I was getting the check spot after Billy and then the check spot after Jay. And you guys are just drinking Jameson the whole time. Oh, we assume. were fucking bullet. I think you, Billy's sober now. Billy's sober. Billy's been, mm-hmm. I was there when Billy got sober. Mm-hmm. Like I was there the weekend he got sober. And I was like, and I remember that distinctly because I was like, oh, I'm definitely not, that's not happening with me. Did he go to rehab or something or just no, decide? Just, just decided. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm done. I think he had stomach problems. Yeah. That's a really easy way to quit drinking is when you have health problems. Mm-hmm. Is when and his stomach was. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to speak for Billy. I don't like doing that for people. Yeah. But I know Billy's a pretty open, honest guy. But I think he was having like real stomach problems, and he was like, he just was not feeling good. Yeah, and you're drinking the alcohol because you thought at the end of the day, this would help it help mm-hmm. it out, and it just wasn't helping anymore. Mm-hmm. And so he stopped. But um, yeah, ever a lot of people sobered up on that tour. Me, I, me and Steve Byrne haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I had a tour where I did. Uh, this last tour, the two-week tour, we got a brewery to sponsor it. Oh. And this, this, that's Who's Os- the brewery? Oscar Blues. They're out of Denver, and they've got one in Asheville, North Carolina, which we stopped by. We did a show in Asheville, but... I'm going to Asheville in two weeks. It's my favorite city. Yeah, Oscar Blues? i got to stop by that brewery. Yeah. It's a little out. It's like a half hour out of the town. Yeah. Um, it's gorgeous. I mean, and, and it's just... I love... Asheville's one of the coolest cities in America. It's a pretty cool there, city. Yeah. But um, I definitely have, have taken a beer break. Have you smoked pot since you have a kid? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was my thing is I didn't know about like I, I did uh, – I ended up doing mushrooms one time after I had kids and I was like, oh, that will never happen again. Yeah, I haven't done that. I, I don't like think – that. Don't, don't because what the first thought that goes to your mind is, oh, fuck, man. These, I have a child that depends on the sanity of me. And what if in that moment – I mean if you're out of town, there's nothing you can do. But what if in that moment an emergency happens? I was out of town and that's mm-hmm. the first thing I thought was I can't I, – I realized very clearly, very clearly in, in moments of panic – I've said this on stage, but I say this wholeheartedly about panics. I deal with it. The one cool thing about panic is you realize in an instant what you want and what you don't want. Yeah. It's so seldom in life to you is, is, is are things that defined. And the problem is if it comes with drugs, there's no way to get exactly out of it at that moment. But it's you like, realize, well, I, I got to ride wa- this out. I, yep. You're like, I do not want to be doing this. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake and I, I want this out of <laughs> I me. made a mistake. <laughs> oh. And I thought, I can't. I remember feeling very sanely going, I can't get off the grid anymore. The mm-hmm. last time I did this, I didn't have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. I haven't done this since I've had a cell phone, and now I can't get off the grid. You can, uh, my phone can ring, and there could be a problem at home, and I need to be home tomorrow morning. I'm not, I'm not in the place where I can fucking book a flight, mm-hmm. and that's happened. That not, not me on drugs, but I was with Billy one time. George, my oldest, broke her jaw, her top jaw, and I got a phone call. We were get, getting ready to go on stage. I got a phone call saying you need to get on a plane tomorrow morning and come home, and I was sober, thankfully, and I was like done. I got the plane ticket. I changed the plane. I fucking, I was. I was like, here we go. And uh, and then I drank that night and drank all the way on the flight home. I was a fucking mess. I was crying nonstop. I had sunglasses on. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, your kid. Oh. That's the thing, man, about parenthood that you're not ready for those moments where shit gets super real. And you're like, and you're like, like, do I remember Georgia got the some really bad flu? And, and I was like, I, mean, I was like a mess because she, she wouldn't couldn't hold anything down. And you're just like. That's what, yeah, that's what happened to throwing up recently with him. It's just like, oh, buddy. You're like, you just look at me going, hey, man, I can't do this life without you now. Mm-hmm. Now that you've showed up, I need you forever. Like, and he, he's also in a spot, too, where he would throw up and then 
wouldn't bother him. He would, for one moment, it bothered him. Then he wanted to play with his toys. And I'm like, no, buddy, you're sick. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only time he would cuddle, too, which it's like he's at that age. Not Cuddling is not a thing yet. Really? Yeah. I mean, he'll, like, hug me and stuff now. Yeah. But it's not like he wants to just, like, lay on my lap and just chill. Well, I'll tell you what. And I really believe this. I don't think children bond with their fathers until they're two. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not have a bond with my children until they were, like, a bond where they needed dad. Yeah, well, they need, I mean, like, even last night when he woke up at 2, my wife went in first. She had to give him a bottle, came back in, went back in. She's like, I need to make a bottle. So I grabbed him, and he started screaming. Yeah. And she went, and then I held him, and I was like, I'm your dad. It's okay. And then he finally stopped. But there's those moments where you can't, there's nothing you can do. And then, well, then, when it turns a corner, and it it happened for Isla and Georgia at the exact same time. But when they turned 2, all of a sudden, they got it. They were like, oh, you're here, too. Oh, you're, oh, Mm -hmm. you're one of her. Oh, okay, I get it. Like, and I had great bonds with them after that. But like, I'd sit, I'd sit with Georgia. I'd sit cross-legged on the couch. This is, I mean, th- this reminds me so much of having a baby. I'd sit cross-legged on the couch. I'd have a cup of coffee in this hand, and I'd have Georgia with her ass right here and her head right here, and I'd watch Tough Crowd. I'd get back off the road, and on Monday morning, I'd have uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday's Tough Crowd to watch Monday morning. And mm-hmm. so I'd sit with Georgia, or Tuesday morning, probably because I flew Monday. Tuesday morning, I'd sit with Georgia, and I'd catch up on all my tough crowds mm-hmm. and let, let Leanne sleep. And I remember if Georgia did not want me to be there, I was like, Leanne, you got to get up. This fucking kid does not know me, does not like me, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't want me. Yeah. yeah, doesn't want me around. But, <laughs> but yeah, once they turn two, oh. and the older they get. I well, think- he's already kind of a daddy's boy. He definitely just says that's one of his main words. Everything is just dada. Really? And because we've done FaceTime on my wife's phone, he likes to pick up her phone a lot and say, Dada. Because sometimes I think he thinks we're two different people. This guy that he talks to in the phone and then this guy that's around 70% of the time. You're lucky. I didn't have FaceTime until, I mean, obviously until you had it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get to FaceTime with them. I'd just be gone. Yeah. No, and it it really does help. And it also is just a bummer to like see stuff. And because I feel bad. I'm like, oh my God, I should be there pulling my load or, you know, or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. God, I know that fucking feeling. So interesting, man. So interesting that how there are probably a, literally a hundred, no, not a hundred thousand. There are probably 30,000 people listening to this that are in the exact same position we're in. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a solid 10 or a solid Who are good parents. There, there's, there's <laughs> we a don't solid, feel like they're abandoning their child. There's probably, there's probably, I'll say 500 people who, and this is what I always think about, who are probably in the military overseas and not seeing their kid at all. Oh, God. I mean, that's that story. Even this is before I had a kid, but like that guy that I gave my sunglasses to. I mean, the thought of having a kid, never seeing it, and then knowing that that kid probably thinks another dude's the dad and going to that was like, that's got to be the worst. But you know, it's like the depression on the road, I think I've found and I've had to stop like, you know, because it it can get easy, be easy to drink when you're on the road, you know. Yeah. And. The more if I do drink a lot, that's when the real depression sets in. Of I'm not there, you know, like because you wake up and you feel like a scumbag. You're like, oh my god, I'm fucking hungover in a hotel room right now. My wife's like hoping the baby goes down for a nap, and and then so she can have an hour of herself time. And I'm just like hoping that I'm not hungover before my show tonight. <laughs> I've never noticed that at all. <laughs> 
I'm the exact opposite where I go. If I'm sober and doing my, getting my shit done, that's when I really miss my kids. So I was like, mm-hmm. I like to be sober around my kids. Yep. So like for me, <laughs> I, the second like the second we get to the club, or I I won't drink until I get on stage. Out of my mm-hmm. first drink is when I get on that second I get on stage. And in between two shows, I won't drink in between two shows. I usually only have one drink on stage. But then that night, I'll have a few. I'll definitely have a few pops, and then wake up late the next morning, and then I'm like, oh. Fuck, and then I'll look at my watch and I'll be like, "Oh, everyone's just getting up because it's always East Coast." Mm-hmm. I'll give a call, fucking go back to sleep, work out, and then I'll be like, "All right, all right, I can do this." Get a fucking healthy meal. And like, <laughs> I'm, putting, I'm putting the pieces back together. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm gonna rebuild this show. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. I I I could not imagine doing the road without a couple beers. No, it, I've done it before, and it's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. You, I have much better shows. I'm much more focused. Mm-hmm. But as far as like missing my family I, this like, goes even more see i for me i'll have a beer before the show yeah i like to like have dinner and a beer and then not drink if it's two shows not drink that first show and then have loosen up between shows yeah you know like i heard like rickles takes a shot of vodka before every set really yeah i heard hedberg did that that he liked to guzzle a, some whiskey so that when he got on stage, that buzz showed up. Because mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a fun, like, mm-hmm. to feel a buzz show. And I've only done this, I've only done this a couple times, but, and oddly enough, it was last weekend. I did it twice, but I'd have a glass of Jameson that I'd get 10 minutes before the show. So it was a little starting to loosen up. Oh, Jameson makes me sick just thinking about oh, it. Oh, I love it. And I'd pound it. And then all of a sudden, the buzz would show up. Like my first five minutes into the show, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was like, and I remember hearing that Hedberg used to like to do that. I remember one time at the Improv in, in Hollywood. You know, you do like ten minute sets. You're there to have a good time, and I was going to do a ten minute set, and then somebody didn't show up. The guy that was supposed to close the show, and they come out, they go, "Can you do thirty five? I'm like, "All right." And at the time, I didn't. I was going to do ten, no guitar, but at the time, I didn't have any more than that. So I went out to my car to get my guitar, and on the way out, Doug Benson and Craig Robinson are lighting a joint. And like, do you want one? I'm like, oh yeah. So I take a couple hits, get my guitar, get in there. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Thune, get on stage. The high hit me two minutes into my set and then created a panic attack where I was dripping in sweat, cold sweat, and about to faint. Had to put myself up on a stool and then just ended early because I couldn't even handle it. Then later I realized like, yeah, I smoke pot from probably the two guys that have the strongest pot you could ever have. Oh, yes. Yeah. He smoked that Urca Gold pot. Oh, God. <laughs> I threw up right off stage. Are you serious? Because the panic attack sets in, especially if it's weed and it's like, oh. Uh, and that's true. I never, I never smoke weed. You don't smoke weed on stage? Never. But you smoke, you smoke regular weed. Well, yeah, but I'd like, I don't even like to smoke weed that much anymore. I'll smoke oh, really? it every now and again if someone has it, but it just creates panic. It changed from me enjoying it to me, like it making me think like, what am I doing? I'm in my thirties and I'm just like high on a Tuesday. Yeah, I have a hard time. I, I have a hard time. I'm not the guy that can just smoke weed. I can't just like, I wish I really could. I genuinely wish I could just get done tonight, like pack, put the girls to bed, mm-hmm. and then just know that I have this reward bong hit waiting at the end of the day mm-hmm. where I could put on some, take a bong hit, watch Black Sails, and just fucking dial out. But, uh, I am not the guy. If I do that, then all of a sudden I'm up and I'm like, okay, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, you're, well, maybe you, I, I'd want to clean everything at that point. Uh, yeah, I don't mind. I remember definitely in college putting on reggae, opening all the windows to your house, getting high and cleaning was so much fucking <laughs> yes. fun. Yeah, because you know you're accomplishing something. Yeah. 
Two things, actually. Like I'm not like that, and I couldn't do I couldn't do cocaine and go to a party. I could I could do cocaine and go play darts. I don't think I could do cocaine. I've never done it. Oh really? It's just a thing. Oh, I've had Adderall before. Oh, it's uh, it's, well, it's it's better. I'm sure, but it's it is. I don't like that either. I it's don't very like, euphoric. I don't like an upper. The, oh, I love it. I, I'd rather uppers. Like there was a period where my dad was doing a lot of speed. I, I don't think he knew it. It was a doctor prescribed to help him lose weight, mm-hmm. and he gave me a couple, and I was like. Are you fucking kidding? I was oh, like, this yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, cocaine is is the the problem with cocaine is it's ex- extremely euphoric, mm-hmm. like uh, just I mean, really heightened sense of reality, of just purpose, of uh, of like confidence, of saying to yourself. I remember one time being in a trolley car in New Orleans, and I remember saying to my buddy. These little handrails, I, I could rip them out. I could rip them out right now. I could rip them out and break them off and give it to you as a present. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I could I'm just so, rip this little hand part yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so smart. I know that that would bring suspicion to me because that's how smart I am. But I could do that. I need you to know that. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, I, I got you. I could do it too. And we were like, I just that, I, I don't even know. See, like the upper, I know that I would go. We'll back. never do it. There's no down. reason to ever do cocaine. See, like my Xanax stage, like I know how easy it was to take Xanax. I was taking it every flight. It was like, yeah. Oh, this just makes it. But then my shows were not being as good because I would show Xanax doesn't make you a good comedian. And Xanax, the layover on a Xanax, the hangover on a Xanax, like I could not do Xanax and do radio the next day. Because if I was on a Xanax, I'd still be out of it like, like mm, I'm trying to catch up. Hungover, I have a cup of coffee, my blood sugar spikes. I'm a different guy. I'm hyper aware and I'm fun on radio. I'm lighthearted. When you're hungover? Oh, I don't think I've ever done hungover radio, radio not hungover because I'm better hungover. I've done a couple good hungover radios, but I've also been doing radio hungover and just thinking like I need to throw up right now. Oh, I've never done that. I've this just is bad. I just say, "Hey, do you guys have anything to drink around here?" And they'll be like, "What?" I go, "Anyone got any whiskey?" And they always light up like, uh, "Yeah, let's all let's all have a drink." And then all of a sudden, you have one, you have two morning drinks, mm-hmm. two morning drinks on fucking radio. After a little bit of a hangover, it kicks back in, and it's the greatest radio you've ever done. Yeah, I love that radio. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I I could not take Xanax. I could take Xanax and just fly. I can do that. But the problem is I have to have nothing to do the next day, and I need to really get have like a recuperation. The hangover. Day. Well, that's just chemicals. The pills. Yeah, and that's the, the thing about Coke too. Like the chemicals. That's what scares me about. Oh, it. dude, the the day after Coke. I that's the the main reason I don't do Coke at all, and I haven't done it in probably fifteen years, probably twenty years, mm-hmm. maybe even more. I don't even know. But uh, is that hangover is there is nothing comparable. There's nothing comparable. It is, you know, and I don't know what everyone's belief on heaven and hell is, but uh, cocaine is the awareness that there is a hell, and mm-hmm. and it is there is the possibility that you will go there one day if and you don't depression. change your fucking. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, for me, and there's some people that can do it and just yeah, I don't give a fuck. Dude. Yeah, I, and I, those I, are the people that know that it's not a problem for them. They'd probably just do it every now and again. Yeah, it was a it was a mm-hmm. that next day. And I remember being like, I had Chinese food. The last time I did it, I thought I had Chinese food. And I was like, was there MSG in that? Like, I was like, I'm fucking freaking out. But also you drink more when you're on Coke, right? So the, the hangover settles in, the alcohol hangover, because you never really hit like you're wasted because the Coke is supposedly evening you out. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's you just definitely what... drink. The last time I did it, was, I think, was at Jordan Rubin's house. Mm-hmm. Jordan Rubin did not do it. Mm-hmm. But I was with a bunch of models and... Uh, and they had it, and they were like, "Do you want to do some?" And I was like, "I remember saying no," and but saying to Jordan, "Hey, do you mind if we get high in your room?" And he was like, 
He's like, yeah, sure. And we went into his room, and he came, followed us. And then one of the girls took the mirror off his wall, and he went, whoa, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, they're doing coke. And he was like, oh, I thought you guys were getting high. And I was like, how disrespectful. We would never smoke pot in your room. Like, <laughs> we just want to do coke out of yeah. here. And they did it. And I remember Jordan just being like, holy, like blown away. And I think I did it that night. And I think we ended up at, at uh, the Bagot Inn throwing darts or something. Or maybe at like the McDougal Street Cafe. McDougal Ale House. Or, it's right across from the mm-hmm. cellar. And, doing, and just throwing darts oh, yeah. all night. And I lived right above that. So I went up. Passed out. We all passed out in my room. We got McDonald's like at fucking five in the morning or something. Woke up. I was like, oh, I'm fine. And then that night, I was like holding on to my couch going, this is – I'll never do this again. I'll yeah, when you feel again. that way, that's when you question. I mean, the hangover, that uh. – Yeah. I like that. I'm like that on long flights now. Like I, I won't – I'm very measured on my drinking on long flights because the next day is what bothers me. Well, because that's also dehydrate. The flight and the alcohol are double dehydrating you. It's And then you land in Denver or something and it's like fucking – Altitude. The elevation, yeah. Altitude mm-hmm. and uh, – that's fucking – Altitude uh, and booze is just the worst. Altitude in general. I'm getting, getting altitude six every time I go fucking to altitude. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I'm so dehydrated. I'm genuinely dehydrated 100% of my life. I think that'll be the death of me. If I get no, cancer, my wife, like, by, we, we have these delivered. I have to drink. She makes me drink one a day. What is it? It's just water. Really? But it's just like that, that much water just is so good for you. I, I'm so glad. Hydrates I'm you. so glad you're, you're with your wife. It seems oh, yeah. Like, she holds me together. It seems like something, that's, <laughs> it seems like something that will mm-hmm. never fail. Mm-hmm. You know oh, what I mean? God, I hope. I'm the same way. And the thought of like divorce when you see it happen and it's like, oh, the kids. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I have to. Absolutely shit my brains out right now. Okay. Well, let's wrap it up. That's good. That was, was, was a solid solid two, 215. Uh, Is it all you, right to shit here? Oh, of course. Of course. What, uh, what do you have to promote? <laughs> no, like right here. Um, that's a good way to end a podcast, right, for the fans? A perfect way to end a podcast. Hashtag <laughs> shit uh, my brains out. <laughs> NickThune.com. Uh-huh. All my tour dates, which I'm having. When would this go out? Uh, when do you want it to go out? Do you have anything? No, whenever. I don't care. But uh, probably put- not to promote my shows this weekend, though. But um, I'm going to be at, like, different festivals and, yeah. You'll be at uh, South by Southwest, and that is next week. Yeah. And, so my, this, and this, I've got my Netflix special, Folk Hero. Yeah. And you have Thick Noon. Thick Noon, first album. Yeah. Best, and, best album ever. <laughs> so go see him live. You'll love it. I Honestly, and I'm telling you, I've said this since the beginning of this podcast, I have been a fan of yours since the first oh. time I ever saw you do stand-up. I enjoy you as a person. And if you go back and you listen to his WTF with Marin, which I'm sure is in his archives now. it's probably it's Yeah, so, I think it's a pay to yeah, hear that But one. it is mm-hmm. so – there's no way you won't fall in love with Nick as a human being because it is honest. And that's what I love in stand-up is honest – people that are honest and they don't give a fuck how it sounds. Mm-hmm. I love that in stand-up and you'll love his fucking – It needs to happen more and more. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. And mm-hmm. I don't do it sometimes. I'm very vulnerable no. about talking about anxiety on stage. I feel like yeah. I, I feel like I can't even talk about all the shit I do on Travel Channel because I feel like I'm isolating people, like I'm alienating mm-hmm. them. But all right. Uh, check them out. Hey, thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having me. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.